podcast. Find us on Facebook. Email us at headtoheadpinball@gmail.com at gmail.com or go to our website, headtoheadpinball.com. Welcome everybody to the Head to Head Pinball Podcast. This is episode 82 and my name's Martin and with me is Ryan C. <laughs> it's never going to get old, is it? No, it's not going to get old. Yeah, this is not. This is definitely not Ryan C. You are not I'm Ryan not, C. Who are you? I'm not nearly as good looking as Ryan C. This is, uh, this is Colin McAlpine from the good old United States of America. And, and I think this is your third time on the podcast. Would that be right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there was uh, once uh, for like a, what you would call like a normal episode, and then there's another time. I think it was I was traveling back from a comp uh, that Iron Maiden had just been That's released. Right. And we had Iron Maiden the comp, so uh, Ryan was asking me in my opinions of Iron Maiden when it first came out. Wow. Okay. That, that, yeah. that machine just seems so long ago now. Yeah, that was in May, April or May of last year. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't know. I, I I can't keep track myself, but this could mean that you are the most frequent on our on our podcast if you discount the many voices of Jeff T. Hollis. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, let, let's discount those. I do. I, I still my my favorite intro to Head to Head is the uh, is the the Pinside PD singing. The, the theme song it's, it's fantastic hilarious. it's really good isn't it just has just enhanced this podcast no end ah, so Colin you are pretty much going to be a bit of busy man in the next couple of weeks because you know I don't know if anybody knows but I'm going to Texas Pinball Festival may have I've heard, it. I heard that I've heard yeah, that from yeah. a couple different times uh, a couple different people <laughs> yeah it's it's really freaking exciting and what's really interesting is that it's exciting for me because I'm going to a pinball show, and I'm not going to play in a tournament. So, which is really interesting because I've got you on here because you're running the tournament at TPF. Is this correct? That is, yeah. And you should change. You really should change your mind. I mean, yeah. There's no way you're making it into the Wizards because you're so far down the wait list. I'm but you really should. Oh, you didn't even get on. Oh, that's no. right. I think Ryan. I think Ryan put his name on it. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not even on. And and that was part of it. I kind of went. You know what? There's no way I'm going in the tournament. How about I just go to a festival anyway? But there's also the classics tournament, right? Yes, yes, very good uh, classics tournament. You should be familiar with the style. It's a, a best game format. The classics is different than the the main because the classics is unlimited, uh, and the while the main is limited. So the classics uh, is your you know typical put up the best game possible on four out of the eight different uh, classic pins, and then there's a Papa style finals that begins on Saturday morning and finishes up uh, finishes up uh, early. Saturday afternoon. So for the for the classics, when does that start? Because I know that the event doesn't really open till five p.m., but I think the tournament opens earlier on in the in the day. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. So mm. you show up and you you play in the classics tournament and hang out with us, and then uh, and then you can play all your games. And then when the show finally opens at five, I think it's not till five in the evening, then you can uh, do all of that and then check back in later to see where you in the standings and. Uh, Put a couple more entries in if you need to bolster your your score, and then hopefully you you make it into the the top sixteen. Okay, awesome. So so what's the what's the difference with the the main tournament? Did you say it's like a, a limited uh, number of entries, but but similar best game format? 
Correct. It's uh, it's both limited entry and it's also a um, it's a multi era uh, uh, format. So uh, we we designed it uh, you know a few years ago, and and Carl D'Angelo because he is amazing and incredible uh, was willing to uh, modify his software and do a, a custom version for me. And what it is, there's twelve different machines that span three eras. So one modern uh, of four pins. Uh, one solid-state bank of four pins and one EM bank of four pins, electromechanical. And you have to – your your best eight count, but you must use at least two from each bank. So it forces you to to demonstrate some skill on uh, on all the different eras from whichever ones you prefer to play. Okay. Um, and then the, you're saying that the finals are sort of match play again. Is that right? Yeah, the finals are also a a Papa style, but in that case, for the main tournament, it's also a multi-era final. So while the the top seed gets choice of pin, they must choose a pin from each of the three eras. Yeah, okay. Um, And so here's the list that I've seen, and it's obviously one of those things that's subject to change, and I know you've got some backup machines as well. Um, But let's go through the electromechanicals. We've got Atlantis. Cleopatra, Mars Trek, and Team One. Now, I only know I know three of those. I know Atlantis, I know Cleopatra, and a Cleopatra was also made into a solid state, I believe. Yes. Um, Mars Trek, I'm aware of. Team One, what what's that? Yeah, so Team One is uh, it's the exact same layout as Abracadabra. Have you sure. ever played Abracadabra yeah, I before? Have. Okay, and it also has some similar rules to it, where it's it's a little bit different because the when you have you have lit drop targets that cycle. Uh, one drop target is lit on each of the five uh, drop targets on each side, but it's lit on the plastic or underneath the plastic behind the drop target. So there's not like a playfield insert in front of it. And so similar to Abracadabra, if you hit the lit drop target, you earn more points. But the key element of Team 1 is it's from that era of Gottlieb's where it's all about wows. And so you light wows by completing either of the two drop target banks or by completing the lanes 1 through 6. And then the... um, that what that will do is that will light wow one of two ways you can either collect wow at the center stand up which will also reset your drop target bank or you after you've done the one through six lanes you will permanently light uh the lit drop target will now score a wow and i'm setting it instead of in normal the traditional way when those gottliebs first came out they were set to add a ball play obviously no, we don't man. want we don't want any of that action for a tournament and so instead you set it to novelty mode and novelty mode awards 50,000 points per wow okay. and so essentially the way to play that game is you you have to light your wows and you have to start you know picking off those lit drop targets when they're lit for wows and you start racking up 50,000 each time you hit one but if you played abracadabra you know that it's it's a lot easier said than done um, right okay you, you know it's only that one that will be lit and also it could be lit on a on a drop target that's already down and so then the only way to get them all back up is you have to hit that center stand up which also by the game's designer is tends to drain you Okay, so, I mean, this has got a five-digit score reel on the back. So, mm-hmm. 50,000 pretty much is half of that. So, yeah. it, it would want to not be easy. Well, it's, it's because you, you, what you can't see, unless you see one in action, is that there are, uh, there are lights 
that light up in the back box and the, behind the back glass that go from 100,000 all the way up to 1 million. And so you can actually get a you can get a maximum lit score of 1,900,999. Why wouldn't they just add another score reel? Like, come on, guys. Yeah, I know, I know. That's just, that's just that style from that era. Why they why they did that? Yeah, but it's like, yeah, come on, guys, put in a put in one more reel. But I guess it's cheaper to put in what ten lights. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, so I'm I'm looking at. Um, oh, I think it is. Is it, is it a 1977 machine? Yes, I I don't have that in yeah, front of me right. I'm, I'm looking at, yeah, it's in I the late seventies. Yeah, in seventies, okay. late. 70s. So you're there. You're there on the cusp of obviously EM to solid state. Um, the the others that you've got, um, Atlantis. Tell me about that one. So Atlantis. First off, this is the electromechanical version. So many people might be more familiar with the Atlantis Bally uh, solid state game, which that's not this one. Right. The the Atlantis is a. It's actually a really great play field. It's a. Uh, it's 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 just. I think it's a fantastic. This. EM, and it has a uh, on the left side you have an entire wall of drop targets. I think it's almost maybe ten drop targets, ten or eight. It's a it's a lot of them. Yeah. The uh, and then there's a waterfall right hand side with the like the double double lane waterfall. You can see sometimes on a game like 300 on uh, on uh, centigrade um, that those that same style on that side. And yes. so the, the goal of this, the goal of that game is once like most EMs, you want to hit the lit uh, sh- shot or the lit lane. But the unique thing about Atlantis is the the left side bank of drop targets is that it awards you a ridiculous 5000 points if you hit two drop targets at the same time that are adjacent to one another. Okay. And it doesn't matter which ones. It's not like they're in pairs. You have to only hit the pairs. It's you know any of them along that whole thing. So you ideally, it's so it it's a, it's an interesting game because there's obviously then a, a fair bit of you know it's either you could call it sharpshooting, you could call it luck, depending on how you're playing it. But if you do hit those uh, two drop targets down at the same time, then you score five thousand points instead of I think once again it's about five hundred. Yeah, it looks like five hundred. I'm just looking at the insert. So a nice sweep of those would be kind of cool yeah yeah it's not like sweeping drop targets no. and some of the other you know pins but uh you typically just get you know your maximum you're gonna get is two but it, it does lend some interesting you know strategy in terms of you know recognition depending on how a game is playing so depending on how this particular one that's playing this physical copy if the slings are really active then you 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 probably don't want to take out your lower ones and you want to do your upper ones first and hope that maybe just in the sling action of the game it'll take down uh, some of your drop targets for you, um, and then in the, I'll, conversely, if you're if that if the physical copy you're playing has really active pop bumpers up top, then you go for the lower ones and then hope that you know some of the lucky bounces from the pop bumpers take that for you. Mm. And so I'm looking at that the right side, which it, it looks almost identical to Centigrade, um, including the the interesting um, gap on the right-hand side where if, if you think that you're going to trap the ball and it goes up there, all of a sudden it drains out, which, you know, unless you're really in tune with these kinds of games, people make that mistake all the time. Oh, yeah. I've done that more times than I can count. And, and it also means that in that sort of that bagatelle area, it, it also depends on the, the rubbers and where everything's located. Sometimes it can give you a safe feed. Sometimes it can give you a really deadly feed. So it's it's really going to be up to people sort of playtesting that i guess 
uh, yeah, they'll just have to figure out what's what's his da- what's dangerous and what isn't, and you have you have to give it a, a you know a slap on the the right side as it's coming down one of those lanes to make sure it doesn't you know that those last two I think it's like the four and the nine. Um, so depending on which lane it's going into, if you give it a, a, a side slap at the right time, it'll usually then bounce off that rubber post and safely into the inlaid feed. Mm, okay. Um, so then moving on to the, the solid states. Now, I, I think you've, you've got a really good classic lineup here of Alien Poker, F14 Tomcat High Speed, and Meteor. Um, uh, you know, Alien Poker, I think, is probably the most interesting one there, I think, because um, it's a bit of a fan favourite, but the rules can be a little bit confusing for people if you don't know what you're doing. That's true. Well, especially as far as knowing really how to maximize score, it's, I think it becomes fairly obvious when you're playing a game like that to see that you've got that those drop targets that are staring you right in the face, and they're right in the middle. And so it's uh, it seems it's fairly typical for people to go, okay, I need to hit those. Uh, the interesting thing about Alien Poker, though, is that if you don't hit them in the correct order, then uh, then you know you you ultimately I think you lose value. Uh, of of how much they're worth, and eventually, if you miss them too many times, I think they almost become worthless until you reset them. <laughs> they're getting uh, negative points, no? <clears throat> not negative, but uh, <laughs> but the other thing is, so the other thing that most people don't aren't aware of, it's not obvious at all, is that you you have to, in order to really maximize your score, you have to complete the upper lanes, the king lanes, and all four of those, and then that grants a multiplier on whatever you're collecting of your royal flush value of those drop targets. And I think you can multiply it up to uh, 2x or maybe 3x. I don't recall off the top of my head. But based on the number of completions of those lanes. And so it, it lends to some interesting uh, you know, strategic decision-making. And also depending on you know, what type of score you need to get uh, to know, okay, do I want to cash in my royal flush now if you maybe only have the ace left to hit? Or do you go back up top and get greedy and try to get some more king lanes to multiply it and then take down the royal flush value? Um, so what do you think, when, when you've seen people playing this, what do you think the majority of people are, are doing with it? Uh, for people that know how to play it? Yeah. Or the people that, yeah, well, I think most of the time, depending on what ball you're on. So I think most of the time, your, early, your first two balls, you're going to be going up top trying to get as many of those king lanes to down as possible and maybe your your royal flush uh drops you know maybe take out you know three of them but the the other yeah and then and then finally on your third ball is you, then you're cashing in royal flush and if you can get one royal flush collect and so you, you typically need to make the most of it um if you're fortunate enough to get two royal flush collects then you know fine more power to you um but yeah, that's what I've that's what I've typically typically found. And the other interesting thing about that game is each physical copy will be a little bit different on exactly which drop target you want to hit with which of your three flippers. Because there's a left side flipper and there's two right side flippers, similar to Paragon and and other games like that, you know, Harlem Globetrotters. Um, and so you can you, you kind of have to you know figure out or maybe watch other people playing to see okay if I'm if I'm hitting it from the right lower flipper, you know, is that the geometry that's going to send it to the left out lane, or is that coming back safe? Good. Well, I like it. I like it's a, situ- a situational game, and people can attack it um, either way. Uh, games like, I think, F14 Tomcat is probably a bit more linear, really, in that people are either going for 
um, multi-ball all they're going for. I can't remember the name of it. Is it the Yagov shot on the left? Yeah, trying to kill Yagov on that kicker on the left. Yeah. Um, which, uh, yeah, I mean, what do you think people are going to go for? And I, and I know in particular this, it's, it's how the game's set up that will determine what people go for. Yeah, correct. And uh, I'll probably set it up somewhere between what I've seen set up for at Papa versus the the factory default. I, I you know be given this limited entry and not unlimited entry. Um, so I'll, I'll probably start it off where you you know, to begin the game with the the kickback lit, as opposed to I've, I've played in Papa tournaments where they've they started off with the kickback unlit. Um, and then uh, yeah, but then I think most of I think most people will be going for multi ball. I think that's just a it's a natural safe way to play it. Yeah, because you, you you get to you know with those targets up the top, you get to sort of keep the ball up that area. And my understanding is that you know obviously you you've got to hit the lit stand up in the middle to light your kickback. And I've seen that people have tried to do that because there is a bit of a safety. However. It's a really dangerous shot, like the most dangerous shot in the game. Correct, yeah. It, it'll kill you more often than not. Yeah, so you're better off not doing it. So, um, And high speed and, and Meteor, classics in, in that area. Meteor obviously builds your, um, your... knock down enough targets, but not all of them to be able to increase the spinner value and then just rip it. Well, or, or just about every other stern electronics, which is do something to light the spinner and then hit the spinner. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're not going to bring up that old thing. But you know, Meteor's a great game. High speed again, very. What I, I guess what, what I like about high speed is that it's not necessarily a surprising game, but you've still got to nail your shots. Correct. Yeah, it's you still got to nail your shots. We'll have the. You know, we'll have it set up so that it's not a progressive uh, jackpot that carries between players. So none of that, none of that action that you normally see on location, and um, and yeah, so you know, players can take a couple different tacks there. They can either just go for the the multi ball and run the red light, or to try to get jackpots. And some players also like to uh, shats to light the the freeway awards and go that route. So those are the two predominant strategies there. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and so then you four modern games. You've got Circus Voltaire, Demolition Man, Iron Maiden, and X-Men. Yeah, so that's, it's good. Uh, uh, we, we, uh, we always try to do a bit of a mix, and we always make an attempt to not have just a, a sternament lineup yes. you know, for the for the moderns. And so we, we just have the two. I think having Iron Maiden is, a, is just a fantastic choice right now, and I think it'll continue to be a good choice for many, many years to come. It's just there's so many great, uh, games I've seen played on Iron Maiden in a tournament setting, yeah. Because the way that Keith designed those rules, it's not so much a matter of depth as it is breadth. Mm-hmm. And there's it's it's so wide because there's so many different ways that you can score the necessary points in order to you know defeat your opponents or to come back and and close the gap and that's uh that's really what i think is one of the 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 loveliest parts about that game you know outside of just the the cool layout and and for those people the theme which the theme isn't really to me doesn't that's not really what does it for me but it's just i love that you can you can play it so many different ways and uh, do a different setup and then if you cash in and maybe do a 2x or 3x on top of it and then just you can you can have a great score in 
almost pretty much every single mode, every single multi-ball, and uh, it's just a matter of, you know, really executing. Well, I guess it's probably no surprise that a tournament player has created a great tournament machine. Um, I mean, obviously, the good thing about that game is that it's a great machine outside of tournaments as well and probably for precisely what you're saying in that there is so much for you to do at once as opposed to it being very linear correct so okay um and demolition man now demolition man i often see that in in tournaments and i don't know whether that's because it makes for a good tournament game or there's just you know it's available but um what are your thoughts on demo man it's a it's a very different style game than certainly the either the two sterns and you know also different styles in Circus Voltaire. Uh, you know, Demo Man really you have to play more. Typically, you have to play more on the fly. You can't trap up as much, and um, it just uh, it's a nice it's a nice flow. You know, shooters game. You know, you gives you some strategic choices as far as when you want to mix in your multi-balls, we will have the the claw disabled yeah. like most other tournaments around the world do. And so then that gives you some strategic choice on when you want to cash in the uh, the the maximized lock freezes or the multi-ball start that you can use on the right ramp or you can save it for your second multi-ball. It's, you know, that's the typical strategy I go for is I'll try to play the first one naturally, if you will, and then the, the, use the, the ramp for the second one. Um, so, yeah, it's just a... It's just a really fun game. Uh, I, I, it's enjoyable to play. It's it's a little bit more, uh, you know. I think there's a little bit more, uh, you know, just out of control play on yeah. on Demo Man. Yep, agreed. And um, and it's you know, and then it's also kind of neat to see uh, some players how they will choose to play with the the triggers and uh, because maybe they're going to go and try to maximize their combo values and uh, and maybe get some bonus X and and blow it up that way. I've seen I've seen so many times where people play it that way and they'll get their bonus up to levels that you know uh, uh, dwarf the, the 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 scores you could have gotten during a typical multi ball. So. Uh, it's a nice, nice uh, balance. Yeah, I, I still do see the majority of people not using the triggers, um, and and obviously it just feels completely different. You you don't get that same sensory experience using um, the the triggers, but obviously there's a risk reward there, and if you can master them, maybe it's worth it. Yeah, how, how do you play it? How do you do? You use the triggers or the no? Buttons? I don't. I don't use the triggers. I um, again, I just I don't. I, as I said, I don't. F- they feel more digital to me than analog, if that makes sense. I don't get that feel. It's either it's more of an on-off sensation as opposed to a gradual feel of the flippers. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's, yeah, although there's no, you can't, um, uh, you cannot stage the upper flipper on that game anyway. So that it kind of you know that would how I'd normally always feel the difference is knowing that you know you get that sensational you know millisecond difference between when the the lower flipper fires and the upper one does on the on the left button, for instance. But in that case, it's not. But the, yeah, I, I agree. And for the longest time, I never used the triggers. But now, I actually use them. Um, it's just it's so powerful. For the whole to, game? No. So here's the deal. I'll, I'll play it in single ball play. I'll use the triggers. Right. But then when I get to multi-ball, I'll switch to the regular flipper buttons. <laughs> do, you know what? I, I, um, do you know what's interesting? I, I was actually going to say... I would have thought the opposite would have been um, more logical, mainly because if you've got more control and you need more control in single ball play, get to multi ball. 
whilst you've got your ball save happening, use the triggers because you're going to get combo shots, right, whilst you're in multi-ball. But... Well, I don't know. Does that maybe uh, I'm not too familiar. I didn't know if you still get combos yeah, I don't know during multi ball. Yeah, I don't know either. But yeah, uh, I, I obviously <laughs> neither of us know. Um, now, yeah, with, with, with Circus Voltaire, I, I've just seen people really ignore most of the game and just go Ringmaster. Do you reckon that's going to happen? Uh, certainly, certainly could. I mean, we're going to have the we'll have the slings you know set up nice and sensitive, so. Uh, we're not going to set up. We're not going to set it up stupid hard like what Papa did maybe three or four years ago. I forget exactly which year it was when they had Circus Voltaire in the finals, and it was just a war of attrition. That I think uh, I think Elwin won that game by simply you know playing a little bit longer. And I think he actually did that. I think he just went for ringmasters uh, and survived. <laughs> uh, so this is yeah. I, I no, we we'll we'll have it set up so that it's a little bit more playable than that. So that way people can make some choices on, uh, you know, which uh, which multi balls and the you know war modes if they're really wanting to do that. But I I really the modes on that really aren't worth anything. It's pretty much just multi balls and ringmasters. Yeah. So so then. I'll ask this one uh, for for what you think other people will choose, and then what you would choose. Well, I'm I'm not I'm assuming you're probably not going to be in the tournament anyway. But what do you think of all those machines? People are more likely to choose, and what ones do you think people are going to go? Oh shit, that's too hard. I'm not going to play it. So let's see. Starting with the modern, since we just finished on those, you know, it's going to vary. But I think there are a lot of players that are probably going to pick. They're probably going to choose Iron Maiden and X Men. Yeah. Because the the feeling like they are in more control uh, versus being out of control, and you know, a circus Voltaire, you don't have your traditional, uh, you know, Italian bottom style, you know, with the inlane feeds, and you have that kind of you know interesting outlane inlane area. Um, so yeah, that's I, you know, but of course there are some people that they you know, like for instance, you know, talking to. Uh, to uh, to Richard Rhodes last week. Of course, he likes Iron Maiden a lot, but you know he would probably like the the circus and the Demo Man more than, for instance, like the, yeah. the X Men. Yeah, he, in um, particular, Demo Man, he he absolutely loves. So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna vary by by player, but that's and that's I mean that's kind of by design. When I when I go through and choose these along with uh, with Phil Grimaldi, who's uh, uh, also a tournament director. We go through and choose these games. Uh, you know, we're trying to have some variety, even in, even within a bank itself. And you'll see that also in the solid states that we, you know, we intentionally have two later solid states and two earlier solid states. Um, so that way, it's um, there's some balance there, and that you know, obviously, a solid state era kind of spans the the gap, if you will. Um, so I would anticipate you're going to see a lot of people that will choose to play. F14 and high speed simply because they're they're more modern and because you can get a multi ball, um, but at the same time it's balanced out somewhat by you know depending upon when they're playing their entries, uh, maybe the queue for alien poker yeah. and meteor will be attractive. Well, that's and that's what I was going to say because I, I you know you and I had an offline conversation a while ago after flip out um, when we were discussing Terminator 3 because unfortunately we didn't get a lot of time to be able to set up those machines and unfortunately Terminator 3 was such a long player and we couldn't alter it during qualifying that 
it had an hour and a half wait time versus everything else that had about 40 minutes. So you've obviously got to spend a lot of time on these machines sort of balancing them so that they've got similar play, play times. Is that what you have to do? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, yeah, you have to you, know, you have to balance it out. I mean, but the good news is there's there's plenty of time to play in the, the you know the qualifying because as long as you show up and you're playing on Friday, you know if there's somebody that's showing up and maybe if they're only trying to get all their 20 entries in on Saturday, uh, you know they might be forced into some of those choices. Yeah. Uh, but anybody that's that's showing up and playing the full day Friday and and Saturday and even when they're you know throwing in classic entries as well, or you know spending time on the floor. You know, I think there's there's plenty of time to uh, to choose whichever one you is, is best suited for you. And also, the other thing might be is you know when players see the types of scores that are needed. You know that maybe if you've got a whole bunch of players that have just you know gone crazy on F14 and high speed, you know someone might go, hmm, they might do the math and think, well, if I can just get a hold of Meteor and get that that spinner juiced up, and uh, and get a few good rips, you know, because we're gonna, I'll, I'm gonna make sure that 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 spinner, if it isn't already dialed, which I know the owner of that one, I'm, I'm, I think, uh, I think he's used that before in a tournament, maybe three years ago, three or four years ago that I played in, and so he had a pretty good dialed-in spinner. But if for some reason it's not, then I'll, I'm bringing my, uh, uh, you know, the 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 bottle of uh, Super Lube, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the for the spinner. To make it nice and juicy, but yeah, so I think each each player, you know, they're also going to assess it based on what type of scores are on the games, and you know where they think they might be able to score, and then the 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 type of ranking points that they would get. And so, how many people are in the main tournament? I know it's it's been capped. What was the cap? One hundred sixty. Jeez, and and how many people are on the wait list at the moment? One hundred and thirty, roughly. Far out. So, so I mean, obviously, you've got to please be pleased with it that it gets uh, that much uh, demand. Are there plans to increase it in subsequent years? Yeah. So we are. It's it's nothing that's a that's a official at this point. So this year is where we're we're taking the steps. You know, it's 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 a different reasons why, but it's a similar kind of story to what you heard, obviously, know about with Pinberg, Pinberg yeah. where they they spent last year where they were essentially you know testing out the logistics as well as the the personnel and resources they needed in order to be able to handle more players, and before they actually did it, and so we are somewhat doing the same thing where this year we are moving for the first time since I've been in going to TPF and uh, across maybe three different uh, venues. Um, we are for the first time, we're moving the tournament from the main floor and we're having it in uh, conference rooms that are across the hallway from the, the main floor. And we are being, because of that, we are being allotted more square footage. Or I guess for the Australian listeners, uh, you know, square meters. Sure. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so we will have more space, and so we're using that to accommodate more classic pins because we had an unbelievable demand for the classic tournament last year, and we have leftover space that we're using for you know making a better uh, options for people to sit down and have some tables where they can. You know, congregate around, eat, and snack, whatever, and have watch it, watch the the stream on the the screens. Uh, and so, you know, once we kind of figure out and see how this works, you know, my my plan next year is to is to expand it. I don't know exactly what that number will be, but um, 
you know, I, I want to, we definitely want to expand it because we know that, I mean, the numbers, the numbers don't lie. We've had, you know, three, three years in a row and especially the last two years where we just had an overwhelming amount of people on the wait list. And, uh, and we'd certainly like to be able to accommodate more players. Um, it will require obviously more pins in the main bank, Yeah. but um, we can, we can get more pins. I mean, it's, 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 the, it's a freaking Texas pinball festival. I mean, yeah. it's, it's one, it's, it's one of the biggest uh, festivals in the, in the world. And thankfully we have a great um, collector base from Texas and the neighboring States that bring in pins. So I think it we can we can definitely expand it, but like I said, I don't know exactly how much. And this year it will be a, a you know kind of a, a, a test run to see what that new space that we're going to be in is like, uh, to see just how many more we think we can accommodate. And so we heard that uh, Pimberg sold out in seconds. How how quickly oh did uh, did the tournament at at uh, TPF sell out? I don't recall off the top of my head. It was back in the beginning of October. Yep. And I think it, I think maybe it sold out in roughly 30 minutes, somewhere around that that, yeah. that time frame. I don't remember exactly how. But each year, like you, like we've experienced with Pinberg as well. It, it, there was the three years ago, it sold out. It took you know days to to sell out. And you know now it's just you know you have a rabid uh, pinball fan base, which is f- phenomenal. I love it. Uh, and so now, it, yeah, it, it too sold out in a matter of a matter of minutes. And uh, yeah, people are excited to play in it. They're obviously excited to go to uh, you know, in my opinion, the the, the best you know the best show. And the, Replay FX to me and then pin TPF are two very different types of shows sure. um and you'll you'll because this will be your first tpf correct? it's my first tpf but obviously i um yeah. i had pinberg last year where like you'd say that um uh, pinberg was a I, I would say it's like a giant arcade in that everything's there it's all laid out you can just go and play it there were some seminars there but it wasn't really about sort of industry talk. It was just about yeah, going yeah. there and playing machines. Whereas my my impression that I've got of TPF, it is, it's the kind of it's the industry show for the players. What do you think? Yes. Yeah, yeah I think that's a good description. Yeah, it's really it, as people have already acknowledged and talked about. It's really in some degree become somewhat of the new expo yep. or trying to pick up the slack for expo while it was in the doldrums, if you will, on some of the the way it was being, the way it was being handled. Um, and yeah, there's, there's definitely now the, the industry is a, is a big part of what makes TPF so special. Um, it's a bit of a shame this year that it seems like there's uh, more of the manufacturers aren't releasing new games at TPF. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit bummed by that. Well, so am I obviously um, because I'm, I'm traveling around the other <laughs> side of the world yeah. hoping that I was going to get some <laughs> exclusive releases, but no, not to be. Yeah, but but so replay, you know, like you said, it's it's like a huge, massive arcade. But it's even more than that. Replay has a, uh, it almost has a um, arcade slash, uh, you know, gaming element to it, where you have the massive area at replay effects for console gaming, yeah, uh, and you have uh, you know the a whole you know, huge section of it dedicated to bouncy toys, you know, and, and the, you know, blow up castles and things like that for the kids or, you know, kids at heart uh, to, to play in. 
um, where a TPF doesn't have that. You know, it's not, it's a, we, they're not allocating the precious space in that, you know, what you'll see is a, a huge ballroom, as I'm sure that, that Ryan C has told you and others. But, you know, those are dedicated to pinball classic arcades. You know, they don't, we don't have bouncy houses at sure. TPF. Um, they do have other cool stuff though. They do a lot more, you know, I would say more catered to more of the collector. So you'll have, you have stuff, um, is not so much a cosplay at TPF, whereas there's a huge element of cosplay replay effects, sure. but TPF has cool things for collectors. Like it has, you know, like they'll usually have like a DeLorean, you know, mock-up car right. there. And, uh, and they'll have like a life-size statue of, uh, of, you know, the, uh, Terminator, you know Arnold Schwarzenegger, and or the or the the T three or whatever, things like that. They'll have they have obviously the uh, the the VIP experience with the monsters. So they bring in, uh, you know, famous stars from pinball themed uh, machines. Um, you know where they've done they did Flash Gordon in the past, they did Elvira in the past. Um, you know uh, they did uh, a Lou Ferrigno uh, in the past. So th- those types of things and. Um, so yeah, to me it's just a different experience. I've been I've been going to both now for a number of years, and I love them both. And there's obviously some similarities, but there and the one big obviously the big difference is Replay FX has Pinberg and and TPF. While it's a fantastic tournament that we're running now, it's no Pinberg. I mean I I I fully agree and admit that Pinberg is my favorite tournament in the world. Um, you know TPF is uh, you know has a similar type of style uh, as as a lot of other. Uh, you know, circuit level events. It is nice though. I really do enjoy, and it was not, I, I can't take credit for it. It was, I think somebody, I forget whose idea it was to, to really try to maintain this multi-era uh, element. It, it was, it was there before in the past TPFs before I was running the tournaments, uh, they were actually held as separate sub tournaments across different eras. Uh, and in this case, they're just different banks as part of the same tournament. So I, I really do like it because there's not, I think there's only maybe, I mean, Pinbury obviously has multi-era in terms of each bank that you play has a, a machine from each era, but I don't know of any other uh, major uh, circuit-level tournament that is doing a similar style of of multi-era limited entry uh, like TPF. And so it's a it's a neat um, it's a really fun format, and it, it lends itself also to you know some decision making for players on which pins they want to pick you know, from which era. There's also some interesting strategy then in the finals as well, as far as trying to pick which, you know, which pin from from which era uh, is going to suit them best against their opponents. So, um, yeah. But yeah, going back to the show, the TPF show, you'll you'll be amazed. It's um, everybody that comes there is usually, you know, for the first, of course, you'll be a little bit less amazed because you've been to some other show, you know, massive show like Replay FX. So you have that experience under your belt already. Um, but um, yeah, TPF is marvelous. Yeah, but as I said, I, I think it's a it's a different type of experience with Pinberg. With with this one, what I'm what I'm sort of looking forward to more so, and I've actually printed out, um, you know, the the schedule of seminars, and and I want to go to a lot of seminars. So I, I've yeah. not, oh, yeah. I've not had that really that experience before. In fact, at Pinberg, because for most of the time you are actually in the t- in the tournament, the only um, seminar I saw was Keith Owens, um, mm-hmm. because because y- y- you know you you're either in the tournament or you're not. Um, yeah, correct. I think you know Texas Pinball Festival, probably also because it's limited to 160 people in the tournament. There's going to be hundreds of other people that aren't in the tournament, so you'll actually get the numbers in those seminars. 
Correct, correct. And the other the other nice thing that we've done, and this was intentionally done. So this was when it was actually the the original you know, change in the format was um, it was something that uh, Ed Vanderveen, who's one of the the tournament you know organizers, and he worked with Josh Sharp and Nate Shivers on uh, in the talking and trying to get through you know. You know different what format to use for the tournament and they they brought me on i think after they'd already you know decided on the, they, they want to do limited entry and there's a very good reason why we want to do limited entry at a show like tpf and it's because we want to even those players that are playing in the wizards tournament we want them intentionally to have time to go enjoy the rest of the show whether that's the enjoyment for them whether they're going to attend seminars or whether the enjoyment is they're just going to go and, and uh, check out the new games that are on the floor that they haven't never played before, or the rare ones, or the the one-offs, the the uh, uh, the homebrew ones that'll show up, or if they're wanting to go play dollar games, you know, whatever the case may be. And uh, and so that was very intentional to make a limited entry tournament, so it forces players to not just play in the tournament. But but also if if it was unlimited, you wouldn't be able to get. 160 people having their full experience right that's correct yeah i don't i well i mean you probably would but then you'd have to just you're just your definition of full you would have some <laughs> players of that 160 that would not because they would just put in a few and then they'd say ah screw it and done yeah well, uh, and then you have then you have like 60 people or whatever the hardcore that are going to put in you know 40 entries right you know instead of instead of 20 and the other thing that you know is for some people you know i we have to recognize that they're also everybody has their different uh you know, price sensitivity and, and cost tolerances. And, you know, the other thing that limited entry does is it, it takes that out of the equation where everybody's paying the same amount and everybody has the exact same chance. Yep. And I, I like that element to it. Okay, cool. Well, and, and so how long have you been running the tournament now? This will be my fourth year okay. of running the tournament. Right, so that would have been, and I don't know whether I'm, I'm sort of bringing up something that's that's a bit I don't know, awkward, but I remember there was a few years ago where, um, you know, I think it was, there were some teething problems with the the tournament format. There, um, it seems like you've just understood what people want and being able to d- deliver a great experience. Would you say that? But you would have obviously had to have learned from some of the challenges that were there before you. Yeah, correct. No, there's definitely things we we've learned from, um, you know, the people that were running. And, well, one of the people that ran the tournament for me with the first two years uh, before he decided to you know to, to step away from from helping the tournament, uh, Ken Kemp. He was also helping to to run it in the past, and and uh, and one of my my good friends, Marcus. He was running the tournaments for a number of those years, and you know, in in Marcus, I think he'll even admit, you know, he has he always has comes up with a lot of great ideas. And he likes to make things, you know, complex and run as many tournaments as possible. So it was kind of it was interesting hearing your last podcast where you're talking about I think your Brisbane uh, uh, tournaments coming up, where you're just gonna or you were talking about just in general. I think when you have tournaments in Australia, when you do have them, you try to cram in as many comps as possible. (laughs) Yeah, I think the yeah the Brisbane Masters that's coming up, um, you know that one, you know that one has actually 
there's 10 days uh, of events but the Australian champion <laughs> so that was I thought I thought I misheard so when you when you said that I thought maybe I misheard it in passing but there's literally 10 days of comps 10 days of, of competitions absolutely that is true I mean <laughs> but but obviously right okay where is there in the world a a, a competition that goes for 10 days uh, there are none. I think the closest you'll come is the IFPA world. They'll usually have a bunch of tournaments leading up to it. Like they'll usually go for almost a whole week. Right. But I don't think you'll have ten days. Yeah. Well, so this is what's really cool. This is so this is Jimmy and uh, at Lambeau that are putting on Brisbane Masters. They are. I mean, it's now part of the Stern Pro Circuit, which is freaking awesome, obviously. But this is a way for them to say, this is how we're going to try and make the best tournament in the world, right? So, if because really what we're trying to do is track people from overseas to come over. Now, if if you've got a three-day tournament, now some people will come over for that. Like, obviously, um, we had a couple of people from America come through for the Australian Championship Series. But if you've got 10 days of pinball in Australia, it's more likely that people are going to travel from overseas for that because that becomes just a massive pinball event in itself and worth the flights over. True. Yeah. If that's, if that's what's motivating them is just, is just the pinball for me, you know, this is me speaking from my own personal, uh, you know, opinion. I would rather, if I'm going to go, I would rather just, you know, have the one weekend and then take the rest of my time in Australia going and seeing all the things that I want to see in Australia yeah. because I've never been, Yeah. you know, I'd love, I'd love to go, I, you know, I, I scuba dive. I would love to go diving the GDR. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and other you know, great things to see, obviously, in the, in the cities of great cities of Melbourne and Sydney, and or I said Melbourne wrong. Sorry, it's Melbourne, right? <laughs> not Melbourne. We understand what you mean. Um, uh, so yeah. Anyway, but yeah, but it's interesting that you do that because I think that's the same mentality. Also, I know in talking to you know Josh Sharp regarding the IFPA that they they intentionally have that week lead up. Of, of comps before the actual IFPA and the Epstein Cup because they want to make it worth the while for people that are traveling from around the world um, to come there and then they can they can play for obviously more than just you know a couple days so it's I think it's a, it's a brilliant idea it's good I hope it uh, I, I hope it accomplishes uh, you know what you're what you're trying to do um, so you, what, when is that so everybody can hear when the, when are the Brisbane when is this Brisbane 10 days of goodness? Okay, so let me... Okay, let me try and... Let me try and read out all these events. So it is... It says, this year's event will be held at the beautiful Brisbane showgrounds. Uh, so actually, because it's part of the, the 10 days of the Royal Brisbane show. Um, so you've got... Jeez. There's a tournament on Friday the 9th of August. There's one on the... There's a Classics on the 10th. Then there's Fair Strikes on the 11th. There's um, Pinkadia match play on Monday. Then there's a double elimination and, and a Brisbane Pinball Club on the Tuesday. Then there's Wednesday. There's Thursday. There's Friday. So it, it, is, it actually is going uh, for 10 days, starting the 9th and finishing on the 18th. Wow, so you're right. I remember. I think you mentioned before how that is in you know, very close to Pinburg, and in fact, that's starting the same week that Pinburg finishes. Yeah, that's right. So I and it, you know what? Even leading up until um, the night or the morning when I, I got up and got my um, my Pinburg ticket, I was still sort of umming and ahhing. Do I, you know, because it's the same amount of time. 
I could go up to Brisbane for these events or I could go over, over to Pinburg. And the day before, I'd said to myself, you know what, I'm not going to go to Pinburg. I'll go to Brisbane Masters. But then I just got all excited about the whole get up and, and get a ticket and secure the ticket. <laughs> so... So it, it was Mrs. Pin. It was Mrs. Pin, wasn't it? <laughs> it was Mrs. Pin. We were all very excited that <laughs> night. So I'm assuming you got your tickets too, right? I did. I did. Yeah, I was. I was fortunate that um, so one of my friends, uh, Robert Byers, was able to get them for me because I was out camping right. with my son on uh, a beautiful place uh, about two hours drive from Austin, Texas, called Enchanted Rock, uh, with no cell phone signal, and uh, yeah, so he he thankfully. Purchase those for my uh, for myself, and my two boys. That's awesome. Well, I will get to see you twice this year then. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's gonna be it's gonna be great because yeah, we've uh, we've only we've only met I think via watching you know each other on on stream. So well, and <laughs> well, last year and Pinberg, and Pinberg yeah, last Pinberg year. Last I think you're forgetting yeah, yeah. that thing. Obviously, I wasn't that memorable. So <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Okay. So, so there we go. So you didn't, you didn't bring me, you didn't bring me anything, Marty. You know, Ryan brought me what? a Rusak. You know, Holy but you know, Colin, I'm just kidding. Your memory must be terrible. What? I know you that? brought me a great shirt. What you about that T-shirt? T-shirt? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't, it didn't help me win though. I, no, I, you that know, is it wasn't, true. it wasn't as lucky. You know, because it's, it was, of course, all the luck that it brought Keith Elwin. It had nothing to do with his skill. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was just the luck of the T-shirt. Correct. It still was a highlight for me seeing him wear my shirt in the finals oh of course i i can't i can just imagine how over the moon you must have been i was uh, with him with him wearing that yeah I, I literally took a selfie with him playing a machine up on the stage behind me like <laughs> this blurry mess of a mess of a photo but i'm still like i'm so proud he is up there anyway so so what are you bringing to tpf you're gonna bring some tim tams or what I don't know. Um, I mean, God, we haven't got that long. We've only got three weeks. Um, yeah. I don't know. Because obviously, Rusacks have been done to death. Tim yeah, Tams, yeah. I've heard you can buy them over there. Oh, this okay. is what I've heard. That's, think, that's probably probably right. Yeah. Yeah, I think Mrs. Pin told us that that we can get uh, you can get Tim Tams over there. I don't know. I've got to find something that is. I was going to say quintessentially Australian, but Rusacks aren't yet. All of a sudden, that became the Australian thing. So, I don't know. Give me. I'll. I'll. I'll think about it, and maybe I'll surprise you. Maybe I won't. Well, you should bring over more of those T-shirts. I. I've. I, I really do like that T-shirt. Every time I've worn it, especially you know before, I think maybe other people had seen it. Yeah, I. People are very complimentary. Obviously, the artwork on the on the back is fantastic. It's really good, isn't it? Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so you should you should of course obviously you're trying to fit stuff into the into your suitcase to to come over. But yeah, if you if you sold those uh, if you have more of those t-shirts, and you sold them over here, you'd sell them out in a heartbeat. Yeah, we we it was we just did those for for shits and giggles, really. Um, and you know there was we're hoping for a logo redesign, so we've sort of been holding off on doing that. But yeah, mm. we've had a lot of people wanting those t-shirts, so um, we may put up a, an online store at some stage in the future. I don't know, but we'll see how we go. Do we do we want to get to some news, Colin? Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's Just, get some news. Okay, well. I'm, I'm just going to throw something in that I didn't put in the show notes just because it's quite topical. We have got, what is it, technically three three weeks until TPF, that's right? One, Yeah, two, it's just going to be three. three weeks from now. Yeah. So, have you been following the progress of Haggis Pinball? 
I have not. So, yeah, educate me. Okay. So, they have been endeavouring to do, like, a weekly video update of, um, you know, their first pinball machine that they're um, developing, which is called Wraith Pinball. Yep. Um, and a few weeks ago, they sort of announced that in, in order to, to really get that in a showable format, they've sort of not going to have that at TPF. But there is another machine that they are going to be having at TPF called Celts, C-E-L-T-S. Um, oh. Well, and that, that's, that's what I believe. Um, but what's really interesting is that, you know, we've got three weeks to go. And you should see, so Damien, that's the, the main person that's building this machine, just in recent weeks, they, they actually just um, up, published like episode 10 and 11 um, and he is frantically getting this machine ready, and you can kind of see some some progress. We will link it in in the show notes. But three weeks away, I'm I'm, I'm curious to know what's going to be shown at um, TPF. He will be doing a seminar, and I believe exclusive information here. I will be doing a Q and A with him as his seminar. Oh, very nice. So. If anyone's got some questions, uh, send them through to headtoheadpinball at gmail.com and, you know, if they're good questions, I'll read them out otherwise. Okay, so what, so what is it? I mean, so I've seen the... I remember watching the trailer mm. for the, the Wraith. I mean, yes. when that first was came out, I, somebody had linked it on a Facebook group or whatever, and I remember clicking over to it. And, it, you know, it was interesting because it was just, a, of course, nothing... They didn't have any, you know, pinball to show. It was just, you know, explaining the, the, the theme and it kind of had a... A, a, a ring esque, you know, yes, the ring, the, the, hor- did, the horror it? movie, yep. uh, feel to you know how it was, and I, that was very intriguing because I think that's a fantastic movie. Um, so I'm in, interested to see what they they come up with. But you know, as as we've talked about, and I think you talked about also with the with Richard last week. You know, really a lot of it comes down to, you know, is does the does the pin play well. Is it is it a good layout? Does it is it the the phrase that I think Elwin used in one of his interviews was is it kinetically pleasing? Yes, yeah, it's a good way of putting it. And uh, and I my if I could hazard a guess, I would say that a white wood would be coming to um, to TPF. And oh, we we probably an interesting sort of side conversation to have about it is you know also a couple of weeks ago when I was talking to Bruce about Houdini. Didn't matter what I said to him, he just ha- absolutely hated Houdini and was saying that the <laughs> shots were just not great. And you got to remember that Houdini they kind of bypassed the Whitewood stage. They did, yeah. So, but is but you can but hey, TPF is also a great example of that. You can bring a Whitewood to TPF and have it turn into something magnificent like TNA. Well, that is true. So, and again, TNA was really interesting because even before the artwork, there was something about the light show that just made that look special just as a Whitewood. There was, that was, yeah, this it had literally a Sharpie marker. It was Sharpie marker drawn on the, 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 the Whitewood. It was, it was terrible in terms of just an art, you know, because it wasn't art. It was just sketching. Yeah. And, but it was, but it was, it was the way that it shot. You know, it, it was it was kinetically pleasing, and the other critical aspect, which you know will it will melt Ryan's heart, is the the sound. Sound, yeah, it was great. Yep, yeah. yeah, absolutely great. And and it's really interesting that with with any machine, when it's about 
art or music or even layout, it all then comes down to personal preferences. So the, the, the challenge that you've really got is a, a layout that's interesting that's not too, I don't know, too kinetically unpleasing, I guess is probably yeah. And and yeah. that's and I don't know if you remember last week. You know, we we I read out an email where somebody had said that I'm just a fan of um, cookie cutters and fan layouts, which is just absolutely not true. But that that right now really sums up what I'm what I really guess I'm trying to say is I don't care whether it's a fan layout, a cookie layout, or whether it's got these really crazy awkward shots. If it's not kinetically pleasing it doesn't matter what your layout is and that then comes back to the placement of these shots not necessarily whether they are cookie cutter fan layout right yeah yeah we'll come back to talking about that when we talk about your uh Brisbane, <laughs> i know uh, i know what you're going to talk about yeah. oh yeah oh, i know <laughs> is it a certain ramp that we're talking about yeah yes, yes. <laughs> i knew it i knew it we will we will get to that um <laughs> so, so, so then, okay, What the, the segue then is the other piece of news that we had is um, some sort of preview of uh, an upcoming machine by Riot Pinball. Now, are, are you aware of Riot Pinball and the machine that they had previously? Yeah, the, uh, the, the Wooly, the Wrath of Olympus machine, which yes. I never, unfortunately, had the chance to flip. I think it was only um, shown at the Expo... Uh, maybe I don't even know if it was other shows in the Midwest that it was taken to, but I remember seeing some, some uh, you know, video of it, and of course seeing the layout and uh, the um, the the yeah as it evolved over time. And man, the the layout. I also I I am a you know as a kid I is ironic. I got a, a there was I think it was a Christmas gift one year from one of my aunts that she gave me a book on Greek mythology. And so I, you know, I like to read. And so as a kid, I read that book from, you know, front to cover, cover to back numerous times. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed the stories of Greek mythology. And so that theme really resonated with me. Uh, but then when I saw the shots, and it's, it was a unique layout. It had some cool features and shots to it. Um, and then, of course, the, from what I you know saw without even ever playing it, the the rules look pretty good. Um, it's just I don't know exactly why that didn't you know catch on right. like uh, like uh, like Archer did with Elwin with uh, yeah. with, with Stern um, because it seemed like you know it just it really the, the, and I think the pin still looks good. I don't know if maybe it's because of uh, maybe the bill of materials is too expensive. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, look, I I actually played that game a lot, not the the real one in Virtual Pin. So it was originally designed in Virtual Pin, so Pin Man. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and, and so I played that to death, and it was just one of these. At the time, the recreations of machines that we knew of the the Williams, the the Bally's, and and all that kind of stuff, they were remarkable. But when it came to you know, original IP virtual pins, there were really only a couple of people that were um, able to make these machines that looked and played as good as a recreation. And um, Dave Sanders, that was with Highway, that did um, Full Throttle, he was one. He was one that was able to just have these unique 
original themed virtual machines that were just incredible. Um, and then obviously Wrath of Olympus was another one. There was also another, like I think it might have been a either a Formula One or an indie type thing with David Coulthard. I can't, I can't remember, but it was incredible. So I got to play this and you could kind of tell a machine that they had done as a virtual machine that you could look at and say, right, you need to make that into a real machine because what you've done in this virtual world isn't anything that can't be done, right? Yeah. But what you've got to understand with Wrath of Olympus, it effectively had three levels. So... Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it kind of had this shot that went all the way up to this tiny little sort of upper play field as well. Um, so I, I just coming back to what you were saying, probably Bill of Materials was pretty high um, but as far as a layout goes it was kinetically pleasing oh god I'm going to use that a lot now um, <laughs> but yeah I because I, I was going to ask you I was going to ask you the question why do you think it never really got up but you've sort of answered that and I, I just really don't know and it was this this real tragedy that happened it was it was almost like a dead cert it's going to be done I guess probably the theme would really be the only thing that I think just it was a good theme and I know you love the theme but you know is is a Wrath of Olympus and, and Greek mythology going to be as appealing as Iron Maiden or Beatles or Deadpool you know what I mean yeah yeah no yeah of course not and so that's just, you know because you've seen that even even in the disaster that was Highway Pinball uh, you know they were trying to do I think a similar thing similar with mythology with Circe's yes um, you know characters I don't know exactly the Circe, what the name of the pin was but that was one of the original designs I think before Full Throttle I believe and uh, and they abandoned that and it's probably for good reason I mean I, I, I fully recognize that um, uh, you know, I'm a nerd, and uh, you know, so <laughs> I'm not necessarily going to have the same taste as the as the marketplace. So yeah, but it's a, but it, but it seems like it's a pity because it, even though I never played the virtual one that you're referring to of, of Wooly, um, Wrath of Olympus, um, the, the 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 actual physical game and, and copy of it seemed to to play pretty well, and even I think the the video I saw also had some decent sound and audio now of course i believe some of his audio he used was stuff that he didn't you know because it was a homebrew one-off um he was not you know paying for i think some of the the you know obviously license what would have to be licensed music mm. um for it uh, i think so he was using some various metal uh, metal songs and um but yeah, so but so it's interesting. So now there's another one. Now so now we see this Legends of Valhalla, Correct. and they have just they have the the just the drawings or the the CAD layout or, or images of um, of what it's going to look like. So here you, again, you have just it's essentially it's not Greek mythology; it's Norse mythology. <laughs> <laughs> so Scott apparently, like me, likes the likes those uh, mythology stories. Uh, that's nice. Um, but um, you know, and once again, it looks it looks interesting. Um, I'm not. I actually, I don't just from the look of it. I don't like the look of this one as much as I do Wrath of Olympus. Really? Um, I I think this one is a bit more defined than Wrath of Olympus. Uh, if you look at Wrath of Olympus, and 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 if it was in the same state of this, where you were just seeing like a render, you'd be looking at going shit. Where are these shots going? Because it's there's so much going on. I think this is more of a toned down. It is more of a, a fan layout. It's got the um, the right 
ramp like a let's say a Doctor Who or a Tron from the upper left yeah. flipper. Um, is I that know. where that one's gonna? Is it the, so that ramp that it shoots across from the upper left flipper? Is that from the look of it? Is that is that gonna loop back around to the upper left flipper again? I can't really tell where that's gonna go. No, I can't see that either. So it looks like no. It's too hard to know. It kind of looks like it goes up but to I don't, a, up a I, mini playfield or something. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. I guess I don't view this as a as a fan layout. Just simply any anything to me that has an upper flipper is automatically not a mm. fan layout. As long as it has shots, as long as it has dedicated shots for that upper flipper, I don't. I just for me, I don't personally think of it then as a as a fan layout. But I mean, the you're right. The rest of the shots, the rest of the shots certainly do. Um, you know, and it's got a, it's got a really, um, it's got a very, um, what'll be a very late on the flipper shot to get to that left scoop. Yes. Um, yeah. That seems almost because I mean I'm just thinking about the 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 you know the the flip side of that in a game like Metallica or Guardians, and it seems like that one's a little even higher up. Yeah. Than where this scoop is at, so it seems. It seems almost lower even than where the revive spinner's at on Maiden. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, it's just I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see what what it what it looks like after it's got some more. Uh, uh, also, artwork will of course of course help on it. Um, but yeah, no, it looks um, it, it certainly it certainly looks interesting. Um, well, that's what I'm I was also saying curious before. to see what that. I'm curious to see what the toy, the toy ship in the back is going to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and I guess that's what I was saying before is that um, it 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 is an interesting layout in that it's slightly different, but I think the placement of the shots is appealing. Like I think that that's it's it's not gonna it's not necessarily going to be uh, you know those shots where you just feel dissatisfied. Um, it, it, I don't know. I, I kind of looked at it and went, it reminds me a bit of Deadpool in that Deadpool's got direct shots, but it's also a, a, a lot about some of the rebounds that you get as well. Yeah, which which rebound shots are you seeing? I guess I hadn't looked that far. I hadn't knew it. Well, it's more so where where the um, that upper left flipper is going to either get the, the ramp or the, the inner ramp, or it's going to rebound up into that, the top left section. Um, you've also yeah. got, you know, shots below the left flipper and on the right could have, I don't know whether it's going to be a, a dead bounce or whether there's going to be an active sling there. I don't know. That That's how you could make it more interesting as opposed to it just being a, a, an up and down shot with sure. a ramp. So, well, because I mean, look, okay, if you then say that there's an upper ramp and that therefore it's not a fan layout, how would you categorize Star Wars, Star Trek, sorry? With the warp ramp, yeah, because of yeah, well, because of that, yeah, I don't think of it as a fan layout. Hmm. Okay. I guess to me, a fan a fan layout, I guess, is you know, is, is one that is has just two flippers, you know. So yeah, you're you know, but you know, and, and to me, you know, your traditional fan layout, like for instance, you know, Deadpool deviates from that because it has some uniqueness with the as far as how that that you know the winding, you know what ends up being a side ramp you know shot works but you've got your you know your typical fan layouts for me are your you know you have uh you know your monster bash uh you know medieval madness uh uh lord of the rings 
you know, Guardians, Metallica. So the vast majority of what what Stern puts out are are what I would definitely call your your fan layout. Yeah. So, yeah, but anyway, but, yeah. so I guess here's the deal. So this is Riot Pinball, and so I, I guess what I'm my biggest question is, okay, so this is this is cool to see yep. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's have they announced? Or are you are you tracking? You know, what's their uh, what's their end game here? Yeah, yeah, what's yeah. their intent? That's I do not know. Um, is the, it kind of says to me this is their second attempt at trying to get a machine off the ground. Whether they're going to try and manufacture it themselves or like they did last time, they wanted to get somebody else to manufacture it for them. Um, but you know, then, then you've got to ask yourself: is it is it enough of a an appealing machine to um? To, to get a company excited about, you know, making it for them in front of machines that they probably got planned anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm going to skip around a little bit because let's, let's segue into Chicago gaming. Um, so, obviously, you know, Monster Bash Remake has come out. Have you played it, the remake? I have not played the remake yet. No, I've well, let's see. No, because uh, the you know, the one of the, they don't have any on location in Austin. In fact, I don't think there's any even original Monster Bashes in, bashes in Austin. There's there's a site up in DFW in Dallas Fort Worth in Texas that typically has had some of the other remakes. Like they've had a uh, uh, they had a, a Medieval Madness remake and they had the the Attack from Mars remake. But they actually have a beautiful, gorgeous original um, Monster Bash, and so they they do not have a Monster Bash remake. So I haven't had the chance. I haven't had the chance to play it yet. As far as you know, uh, I, I I must say I I mean the, when Medieval Madness came out, I really I don't know. I wasn't all that wild about it. I noticed it playing to me. It, it played differently than the original. Um, and then the when the AFM first came out, also it plays differently, but it's an easy fix because all you have to do is get the the flippers uh, adjusted upwards slightly so that they're in line with the inlay as opposed to drooped yep. or yep. flopped or whatever Flop-lips, you want to call yeah. them. And uh, and so once you fix that, I oh my gosh, the AFM um, the upscale version that has the full huge uh, display. And has that topper and oh, all the light show with topper. it. It's it's I love it. Yeah. I love playing it. Now I'm personally I'm not gonna go spend that money for that particular machine, but I'll tell you what, anytime I see it on location or if it's somebody's house or whatever, I'll play it because I just it's a fun game and they've done a remarkable job of of just tweaking it just enough mm-hmm. yep. uh, to to really dazzle. Yep. They've they've modernized it without changing what the game actually is, right? And yeah, that's and yeah. that was kind of what, what I thought about Medieval Madness. Yes, it's great. And it what I I guess for me, Medieval Madness stands as we can now make more of the machine that you had originally, right? It's just it is a a copy. Obviously, you know, we talk about the flippers, whatever, but it's just meant to be a copy. So if you put them side by side, you could look at them and go and obviously an older one that's got LEDs and you could say well which is which um, 
And in fact, I did make that mistake. I, I called out a machine. I said it was a Medieval Madness remake. And someone said, no, it's actually an original. I went, huh? Can't tell the difference. <laughs> but you can tell the difference with an Attack from Mars remake just because the way that they've added a lot of GI and lighting, it's very noticeable yeah. that it's a remake. So Monster Bash yeah. has, has come out. So here's what I've been led to believe. Oh, that's a way of saying I've been told, but I can't officially say anything. Um, is that the next machine has already been made? Mm, so they're already they, they've they're finally doing a better job of not allowing their their vendors and sub vendors to post pictures to the internet, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're, they're certainly not allowing people to give out rumors. But what I've been told is Cactus Canyon is the next machine, and what I've also been told is that you know how um, somebody worked on the Cactus Canyon continued code? Yes, it's great. Right. Well, because apparently, um, you know, the original code wasn't finished. I I don't know what, what was Correct. added to Cactus Canyon continued. However, what I've been told is the original code has been worked on and has been completed. So whomever it was that had the original vision for the code, they've completed it according to their original vision as opposed to somebody that took hmm. and completed and created their vision. Wow. Well, now I've got to go to IPDB and who who was the original coder for this? Because I, I, I've played the Cactus Cannon Continued and it's remarkable. It's really good. So what does it do? What's the changes that it's made? Uh, it's got a... Um, uh, it's got an additional multi-ball in it. Um, what's it called? I'm sorry. It was only maybe one time, one or two times. And I didn't necessarily get to explore the whole game. So, I, you know, there's a long line. Um, oh, man. I'm trying to remember. I can't. Sorry, I can't think of it right no, now. No, that's but okay. That's okay. But, but, they, but, they, but they did that. And I think they the other key elements, they added, uh, they, they made the either mini wizard mode or the wizard mode better. Um, but yeah, and they also added some additional, I think some additional sound and, uh, dots okay. as well. So it was, uh, yeah, really, really well done. Okay. So th- this is saying that the, the design, uh, of, of Cactus Canyon was Tom Coppera, Cobra and mm-hmm. Matt Coriel. And the, I'm looking to see, where does it, it doesn't say, it, rules, says right? dots. it doesn't say no. it, it says dots and animation, but that's it's a, Adam, a guy named Adam Ryan and Jim Raff. But then it has mechanics, it has music, it has sound, but it doesn't say who coded it. Mm. I'm sure that you're gonna get we, you're gonna get messages immediately, but <laughs> that'll know exactly who who coded it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so interesting. Anyway, look, so, still but anyway, so the, the whole point, so the rumor, so the rumor you've heard, which is that's a, that's very intriguing to me because I, I certainly think there's some value. In having the original design, the original you know elements of gameplay and rules, and having that whoever that was um, see it through to completion. Yeah, um, that's obviously that would be a major coup for Chicago gaming because in the past all they've done is they like I said they made AFM dazzle. Yeah, but it's it's the exact same game. Yeah, correct. Um, and look, I, I streamed Cactus Canyon, oh, I, I want to say probably five, six weeks ago. Um, 
and and it's I guess it's really interesting in in the cycles that we go through um, because I really didn't like Cactus Canyon because I kind of felt the rules were a bit simple. Yes. Which, you know, you know they are. But when I played it, it was its simplicity that I really liked because I've got all these and all these complicated machines that I've had. Like I had Iron Maiden, obviously I've got Wizard of Oz. It was kind of like refreshing to have a simpler rule set. So Cactus Canyon for me, I kind of went, I like it because I know what I'm doing. I've still got to hit the shots and I've still got to, you know, combine things. But it, it is a simpler rule set that, so you can put it right next to monsters. Well, okay, we're going to get to that. <laughs> um, but here's the here's the other rumor as well. You ready? Yeah. After Cactus Canyon, Chicago Gaming will be doing an original licensed theme machine. Hmm. Hmm. So I mean, it doesn't get vaguer than that. Uh, it means that it's licensed and it means that it's a machine that hasn't been done before as opposed to a licensed remake. Yeah, that's a that's definitely going way outside their lane sure. that they've been operating in thus far. Um, but if you think who, about I mean, who, it... Who's, but, left, who's left to design games for them? Well, okay, <laughs> but, but if you think about it now, so they've now had... We'll, we'll count Cactus Canyon even because apparently it's been done. They've now had four machines go into production. Um, you know, admittedly, the first one was done by Stern, and then, you know, they've all had sort of people chipping in to, to get the others out. So they now know enough about, des- well, producing a pinball machine, even though they're using somebody else's design. So if design is the only thing that, that's different, well... There's probably a lot of people out there that are peddling some good designs, and then all you've got that's to work true. out how to make it, right? Just get a license. That's true. And they've they've obviously yeah. had to work with licenses, so you know I think they've got the means to be able to do it. And why wouldn't you? No, no, that's a that's a great point because you've got all these pinball companies, uh, the, you know, some failed ones, <laughs> yeah, that have demonstrated, um, and also some boutique ones that have tried and either failed or just never got off the ground. I mean, we're just talking about with Riot Pinball and uh, and Wooly and and this one Valhalla. That okay, yeah, you can have somebody like uh, I think the guy's name right is Scott. I don't, I'm Scott, I don't know his last is name. Is it Scott Gullix? Yeah, I think so. And so anyway, so you've got Scott who, you know, has done some good design, but he does not have a manufacturing company. Sure. And I, you know, I've worked, uh, I work right now for a manufacturing company. You know, we, you know, granted it's a chemical company, but I've, you know, the, the, you have some basic fundamentals as far as you have to have the, the, the manufacturing setup. You have to know how to, you know, set up your company. So with you looking at your variable costs and your fixed costs, and you have to be able to develop a supply chain mm-hmm. that can, you know, deliver the the things, the materials and the parts that you need on time and in quantity and to spec and all those things that most designers have either no clue about, or they have no clue about how to do it in volume. That's right. Yep. And, and so you're, you're, you're right. So Chicago gaming, you know, they have obviously been able to do so in some level of volume. I don't know exactly. Did they announce how many uh, they make no, of each one? No, no. Uh, someone said it's a couple of thousand. Okay, wow. All right, so a couple of thousand. No, so yeah, no. but the point is there. So they, they're they're making plenty. Um, so yeah, that's that's actually a really excellent point. You can 
you can probably, and this is not to put to shame or to try to diminish uh, the value or the work that a designer puts in, but you know, you can have a lot of people out there that can design something. Correct. Uh, but uh, but then you know, having a, a an organization and also the capital to be able to withstand the you know the, the have enough cash to continue to breathe because you know cash is oxygen in any business. Yeah. Correct. Um, to be able to to be able to do all of that is yeah that's probably the bigger hurdle. Yeah. yeah you bring up a good point. They've done it. They they've actually been able to show how to be a manufacturer. Again, now it's just try a different design. So I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see whether that is actually true. So anyway, we'll see. Huh. Um, okay, so moving on, there's some code that's come out. And even though I think um, Alice Cooper came out with some code that's now at 1.0.6.15. Yeah, there's a lot of numbers there. And that was just some bug fixes. But really the big one was Deadpool is now at 0.99. And I saw you post something about this recently, Colin. So what are your thoughts on what the new code does? Well, it essentially, it it allows for stacking is the yeah. biggest thing. Yep. And it's, uh, uh, you know, I haven't, unfortunately, haven't had a chance to play it yet. So I'm, I'm hoping possibly to play it tomorrow. Uh, we have our um, we have a, a, a competition tomorrow at uh, Buffalo Billiards. Unfortunately, he blew out the, uh, one of his uh, flippers in Deadpool, and he had just run out of his stern flipper rebuilds. So um, I think he found some parts for it, and so we're hoping to have it and, and use it tomorrow. So I'll be interested to see how how it changes things. Really, what it amounts to is it make it it opens up your your options as far as how you want to play the game. In the past, there was very limited stacking, or there was you could only stack in a certain way. And now, based on what is in the in the README file, which that's all I have because I haven't played it yet, um, you can now stack a number of different ways and in different orders. And they in, is you know the really refreshing part about how Stern released that is I I don't think I've ever ever seen them go into the detail of the stacking sequence and the options of what, you know, you know, instead of just, they would usually use something very vague going, Oh yeah, now this can stack. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But this goes into specific detail on you can now stack uh, Katamarama time with uh, Ninja Multiball, or you can you can now start Ninja Multiball and you can then stack on Katamarama time and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So to me, I really appreciated that. Uh, I think maybe another reason why they went into such detail to really explain uh, that level of detail in the stacking is so that way anybody who's playing in a certain high-level tournament in next weekend uh, will know how to play it. Yeah, because that's right. It's going to be in... Uh, it, will it be in the Stern Pro Circuit final? I believe so, yes. Yeah, so everyone knows. I, I also think that that's a way of adding really answering the criticism that people had. It was very specific what was what people were complaining about is I want to be able to stack a mode with a multi-ball. Well, there you can. And you know, i I think it was it's it's interesting is because the the opposite of stacking is being locked out. And that's really what would happen is let's say you you're in Katana Rama, which was just, you know, after a certain amount of shots 
you'd just be playing away and all of a sudden you can't start multi-ball or you can't start a quest and it's like oh that's right it's because I'm in katana armor mode right so this sort of now allows you to not be locked out as a you know what I mean like it's 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 it is stacking but it was the locking out that was the negative impact that it was having correct yeah, I think, it, or or too much of it, because yes. I actually, I actually, an instance of where locking out, I actually enjoy a lot more, especially in a competition setting, is the is the competition install on The Walking Dead, because it forces you as a player to make the choice of do I you know get start into the safety first, of multi ball yeah. now, or knowing that I can't start a mode after I've entered into multi ball, or do I take the risk. Of of starting a mode, getting a mode qualified before I start my you know prison multi ball or well walker multi ball. So in that case, I think it's brilliant. So that's why I'm interested to see how it's going to play in Deadpool because I think in some cases you can actually have it be too open, if you will, of you know where you can just if you can stack everything on anything, it then becomes uh, there becomes certain pathways that everybody's going to pick. Because that's the the safest way to get there, the risk reward benefit, and then once you get into it, you just start seeing, you just start piling on everything you can. You know that that's a typical uh, rules design of like a Keith Johnson game, where you can stack everything on anything. Yep. Yeah. And so whether that's uh, Simpsons Pinball Party or whether that's Wizard of Oz. Um, you know, you essentially in those games, in fact, I, I'm always looking, okay, where's my next multiball? Because I know as long as I get into the multiball, then I can simply stack on, you know, whatever is, whatever is needed. Um, so in this one, yeah, it'll be, it, it, it opens things up, but I wonder if it'll be, it'll be too open. So the specifics, if somebody hasn't read it yet, you can read this at the, at the Stern readme file. So it says battles and multiballs can start when Katana Rama time, Berserker rage or little Deadpool single ball modes are running. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially, you know, so both, it says both battles and multiballs. Yep. So it doesn't say necessarily that you can stack a, battle onto a multi-ball so you still have to have a multi uh, a battle started before you enter a multi-ball which i think is the right decision there um so you know you still have to just like i was describing in the walking dead you still have to make that decision on um on deadpool as well um and you know so these other you know to me your katana rama time your berserker rage and your little deadpool single ball modes is appropriate that you can stack those on because um or you can stack on the battles or multiples on top of that because I, I view those as kind of the minor players. Yeah, you know, it's so they are. That and this is what's interesting, and I think that's why people are complaining because they are the minor players, but they lock you in. So yes, you know yeah. it's 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 the equivalent. And I'm going to give two examples where people really don't like them. Um, it's winter is coming on Game of Thrones. Yes, <laughs> and it's Boba Fett on Star Wars. Oh. Yeah. You know, yes. that's what the equivalent is, and people hate oh, those. Oh, Boba Boba Fett is so worthless. I know. So, whereas I really like, well, probably not in tournament setting, but I actually really like Winter is Coming because I love Winter is Coming multi ball. Um, yeah. But I think that's what it is, and these are and the, there's two of them, right? That lock you out, or three if you count the the uh, mini Deadpool um, single ball ones, and so that's what people are just like you. You're you're killing me here because. They are not worth that much, and you have to play them out, and they go for too long. Yeah. 
Well, and the nice part about this is because now you can then make some strategic decisions, especially as far as stacking a multiball on top of it. So, for instance, like uh, Katana Rama time is a it's a is it exclusively just the ramps? I I, I hardly ever focused on it because it, time. it just happens. Worth it. Yeah, so now you can you can essentially you know you could intentionally it looks like you can actually do um, you can go either way with Katana Rama time. In the fourth bullet point, it says Katana Rama time can start. Yeah, you can win battles, in. quests, little Deadpool modes, or Ninja Multi Ball. And it only says Ninja Multi Ball there, so that's interesting. Uh, but you can bring it in after. So uh, so that's. But I think that's nice because then because to, to me, unless you have the playfield multiplier going, the Ninja Multi Ball really isn't worth that much. No. And it's a and, so, and it's a it's a real bloody hassle to get to. Yeah, yeah but mind you, neither is the the mini um, Deadpool um, uh, multi ball. It's it's always really been, um, you, you know, your quests and getting to your your mini wizard and and then your wizard mode is really where the points are. Um, it's it's one of those games where multi ball really is, you know, something that get that progresses you. You use it to progress something else as opposed to it being the thing that you're actually going for. Yeah, correct. Although on the on the on the premium, I will intentionally go for disco multiball. Sure. Okay. And disco loops just because it's what because it, it gives you that safe feed every time, you know. But this is in the competition setting, you know, not necessarily for the, you know, when I'm just playing it for uh, trying to advance, uh, you know, to the to the wizard modes. But yeah, so it's it's nice. I, I do I, I do like this. Uh, uh, this you know this adding because like you said it was very frustrating just like some other you know recent games where if you get locked out of a much more lucrative much more rewarding mode and you're stuck in this minor mode and all you're doing is trying to figure out what's the best way I can time this out. Okay, so but, but here's 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 what my thoughts were originally when I was actually when I saw your post that was the first I'd really known about the the code being you know what the contents were. Is there a danger that its rule set becomes just like all the others, as opposed to looking at those modes like Katana Rama and saying, well, obviously we got it wrong, so now we, we can make it stack, or we can make it now lucrative because that makes it a unique rule set to this machine? What do you think? Um, It's... I mean, I'll still be. I mean, each of those modes. I mean, you use the word unique, but I guess Katana Rama time really isn't all that unique. No, I know, um, but but there's not that many, you know, recent sterns where they will lock you out. I mean, obviously we've got we talked about before Boba Fett and um, and Winter is Coming. You know, at least with Winter is Coming, it's got a, a multi ball at the end of it. Um, nobody really gives a shit about the, the Boba Fett one, and it's not really worth a yeah. lot of points, so no one really cares. But you know, a, you know, a parallel I'll give is in uh, Star Wars where you've got the video mode, right? Because that video mode isn't stacked. It's just a singular mode. But it could be worth a lot when you've got multipliers so people will actually go for it. Yeah. That's the parallel I'm giving is it's not about stacking it and, re- you know, removing the lockout. It's actually making it worth shooting for so you don't need to stack it. Yeah, I mean, I because I, you know, and that's why I, was, I guess I was alluding to earlier is that you know, if you if you make it too open, yeah, then it it, it may lose some of its uh, it may lose some of its feel in terms of how you go about playing the game, 
And it really, I guess the feel just comes about to what really, is it making it more or less fun? Yep. Yeah. Um, so we'll find out. I mean, it looks like you can, you can stack lots of different ways now. And so it'll be, you know, it'll just be interesting to see how people, how people play it. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, watching it a bit, uh, uh, next Saturday uh, in the U.S. at the at the Stern Pro Circuit Finals to see how people how people end up playing it with these with these changes. I I don't think it's going to change you know things all that much. I, mean, I don't know what your general strategy is for for at least for competition settings. You know, mine is you know I'll, I'll especially if I haven't played the actual physical copy yet, I'll want to get into uh, Little Deadpool as quickly as I can. Except I will shoot the battle scoop before I yes. hit, hit that final shot. To start a little Deadpool multi ball, um, in this you know, in this I don't think this is I don't think any of these things that they list here change that for me. No, that's fine. I'll still I'll still play it the same way. Um, the only the the biggest difference is that during especially when I get into Ninja Multi Ball, which there are some games on Deadpool where I never even play Ninja Multi Ball. No, well there <laughs> there are some of them you can't hit that shot at all, so there's no point. <laughs> Right, yes. right. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, but yeah, it's but it's it'll be it'll be interesting. It, it could be also just fun. Not that I'm going to do it in a competition, but you know, if you can get a multi ball going with Berserker Rage and see like you know, if, can you? Is there any way to like maybe set up like a double two balls at the same time, nailing the center spinner and loop passing to get back to the right flipper and doing it again, like doing that with two balls at the same time, that would be a really fun, fun challenge to, to do. Hmm. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, I, I hopefully will, I'll get to stream it soon. Um, and then we'll be able to try it out. But uh, for me, Deadpool is a game that I didn't think I was going to enjoy, and I really enjoy it. I, th- I think they've actually done a great machine, and it's an unconventional layout that, for me, works. Um, and there are people that don't like the layout, and that's that's kind of you know last week's discussion about the whole cookie cutter thing. If you don't go a cookie cutter layout, then chances are less people are going to love your layout. But it doesn't make it any less of a layout. It just the the Venn diagram sort of gets smaller. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you take that risk, and sometimes it pays off, like Iron Maiden. Yes. Um, and uh, sometimes it doesn't, like Avengers. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we we've mentioned it enough. Let's let's get to it, right? Because what, what what Colin's talking about is so we um, I streamed the Bayside Monthly Tournament on uh, Thursday night. Here it was. So if you go to the Melbourne Silver Ball League Twitch page, um, we'll link it as well, you'll see it. And the four games that we were streaming that were in the, the tournament were Aerosmith, Ghostbusters, Avengers, and Simpsons People Party. And uh, just before we started recording, you know, we, we saw the show notes because, you know, it's in This Week in Pinball. What did you get up to this week? Oh, well, you know, I went to the Bayside Pinball Tournament and I won it. You know, just a side note. I won it. Yeah. But side note. <laughs> Colin said, Colin said, I watched that. Oh, and there's one thing I want to talk about. Talk about it now because it was the funniest thing that happened. Go for it, Colin. Oh my gosh. So you, yeah. <laughs> so first off, they're having to, they, yeah, they're having to play Avengers, which is already a, yep. you know, a, a pain in of itself. You know, and, and like most Avengers games, it was, uh, 
you know, I, th- I think, you know, someone probably could have gotten second place in the game if they would have just gotten their skill shots. Yes, um, but you couldn't uh, punch the skill shot. It wasn't strong enough to get up to the top. It's hilarious. If somebody did. I think one of the person that either took first or second, they were they were getting up there. Maybe they were power plunging or yeah, something it like that. Been, yeah, could have been, yeah. Which is not the way you want to play that game. I mean, you want to play it and you want to short plunge it and you want to get your lanes so you can get Loki multiball. But there was not a single Loki multiball played. Uh, there was not a single Hulk multiball played in the entire freaking game because, uh, so that, as demonstrated, who, who was that Nigel playing? It was Nigel, yep. <laughs> poor Nigel poor Nigel was, he was playing it just like you should he was trying he was controlling he was getting and also the game was leaning to the right significantly yes uh, so he was getting control getting on the right flipper all the time and then post transferring it over half the time not getting control of the left flipper because of the lean and having to go back to the right flipper again and then uh, he must have tried at least ten times. Oh, um, way more. To yep. To shoot. And this was this was after all the the clunkiness of getting through the, all the Hulk uh, drop targets and hitting Hulk a number of times, getting the ball stuck under Hulk's arm, and finally the Hulk scoop is lit. And that green arrow is just sitting there waiting, and he's trying and trying and trying to hit this shot, and he can't do it. And he finally hits it, and it goes all the way around. And it, that was the first surprise. It actually went all the way around. But then what does it do? No, you don't get it. It lips out of the saucer and comes back down to his flipper. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the most painful five minutes in pinball I've ever watched. Do you know what? Do you know what? It probably was five minutes. Five minutes of just trying to hit this one shot which was that Black Widow ramp. And, I mean, what, what, what was actually really good, it, it got to demonstrate his exceptional flipper skills, his, his being able to recover. Yeah. It, it really yeah, highlighted yeah. that, because other people, like myself, did the same thing, went for the ramp shot, missed it, and it drained, because I'm not as good as him when it comes to flipper skills. Um, but it was, it was just... It was funny to watch... It was excruciating to watch because <laughs> he, it, I, you know, I should probably watch the footage again and count it, but I thought it would have been about 15, 16 shots at that Black Widow ramp, and, and it just kept either, either missing slightly, missing completely, or going halfway up the ramp and then rolling back, and you're right, this one time when it finally got up there, everyone just went, oh my god, finally... And then it just dribbled out of the scoop, the, the saucer. It was just funny. But it highlights such a massive design flaw with that game, which everybody yes. has really complained about. Yeah, that ramp, that Black Widow ramp is just, it's a, I mean, it looks good, but you just, after you look at it, as anybody, you know, use basic geometry, the sharp corners that it has to make take so much momentum off the ball um that it just it, it's never that i've played one one avengers that it, the i you know is a, a friend of mine here in austin brad holiday who has an avengers and he has his tweak just right his he also like has done a re- complete restore of like a xenon and uh, a bride of pinbot so he really knows how to you know physically you know tweak the game to make it play well and his Black Widow ramp actually flows well. Right, it's the okay. one out of out of mm. who knows how many that I've yeah. ever played that actually. But his his even though still I think would also do the lip out thing when when your Hulk uh, multi ball is lit. 
uh, and to you know divert to that saucer and it would miss. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just the other thing about that game is just in you you see this in some cases of of you know George Gomez games. You see it some in Deadpool, <laughs> um, where he. And in fact, almost a similar type of uh, you know shot in terms of the geometry that left orbit from Avengers, and then also with Deadpool, he likes to have that left orbit go all the way up around, and then you know catch a a, a pseudo ramp either in the back of it or on the you know just above the shooter lane, and have it come back. But it's it's not this nice smooth yeah. curving flowing thing. It comes and hits like forty five degree angles. Yep. and goes plunk plunk plunk. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and finally makes the way back to your flipper and it's not enjoyable to play is not enjoyable to watch uh it's it's not kinetically pleasing well you're you're absolutely right i i mean I, I probably wouldn't have played it as much as you had because i really i started playing competitively i think after you know it came out i can't remember what, what year it was so i didn't really get to see it really didn't get to play it when it was on site so I've played it in tournaments and I hate playing it in tournaments because I just find it too clunky. But with the new rule set that was brought out a couple of years ago, um, people have said, and I quote, Steve Bowden said that it actually has made it uh, an enjoyable game to play rules-wise. But I, yes. I dislike it because I hate it in tournaments and I hate having to put money in it. But <laughs> if if it was a home game... Do you think that there's enough there for it to be enjoyable if it was a home game when it didn't matter whether you were going to get booted out of a tournament and you didn't have to put your $2 or $1, whatever it is, over there? Yeah, no, I agree. Because, I mean, like I said, at my friend Brad's house, he has it, you know, and it's his home collection. And so we played it uh, the last time I was over there, maybe two times ago. And, yeah, we had a good time. We had a good time playing it. And it's... uh, it was because he also has his, his Black Widow ramp dialed in where you it'll yeah. actually make it when you hit it. And so you can loop it. Uh, if you're dialed in, that's a it's it's really that's actually that's actually probably one of the best shots in the game when it's working correctly because it actually flows well once it's tweaked correctly. But it's, I forget how many hours he had to put in to try to tweak it correctly. You know, as opposed to that Hawkeye left orbit that it finally meanders its way all the way around and you know and, mm. and clunks back to your right end lane eventually. Um, which uh, you know, by the way, next time you're playing it in a comp, just do that. And you'll probably win. Well, yeah, okay. Was trying, couldn't hit it, but keep going. No, you abandoned that. You started going for Hulk. You, well, you should yeah, have gone in the you. end, in the end, I just thought, I, I only need a couple of million, right? Yeah, that, that, you'll get that from playing Hawkeye. Yeah, I know. But I was bricking that Hawkeye shot. Just could not find that. It's not, again, it's just not exactly where a, a, an orbit shot is I'm used to. So mm. I was just bricking it constantly. When it and it's also got a lean, so recovery was a, a little bit odd as well. I just thought I'll go a safe strat, just do Hulk, um, just get a couple. And it was like I don't even need to get first. I just want to get second. I'd already won the first game. I was like, if I get second, it puts me in a safe place, and I can, you know, be less anxious when it comes to the third game. Um, but again, I again, I I like I lit. Hulk, as soon as I lit, ball drained, and I was like, oh, fuck this. I just ugh, <laughs> hate, hate the game. Just put it behind you and move on. But, it was like, no, yeah. but, see, but you, you have a different definition than I do of what's safe, because I don't, I don't view going for Hulk as safe. 
Whereas that Hawkeye, I mean, yeah, you, if you're missing it, fine. Then you just have to, you know, to me that, you know, it's an orbit shot. So like other Gomez, you know, orbit shots, it's got that nice uh, metal rail on the, on the outside of it. So, you know, it's got a lot of uh, forgiveness compared to, you know, like for instance, the black widow ramp. Um, and, and it comes back to your right flipper every time. Yeah, well, when it's leaning to the right, it uh, goes into the sling every time. So, you know, <laughs> a- a- anyway, it, it happened. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so fortunately, I, I then... So the first game was Aerosmith, I won. Second was Avengers, wasn't it? And third was Ghostbusters. So I won that as well. And that then put me into a playoff for the finals. And that playoff was on... Ghostbusters again. It was a random draw, and I had a pretty decent game. I ended up on 1.5 billion, and that was at the end of ball three. And my opponent was on 25 million. So, and people people were sort of saying, "Oh, well, you know, you're as good as one." And I said, "Well, to be honest, I think I was only on a couple of hundred hundred million when I was on my third ball." I just said, "You know what? Anybody." can come back on this machine because as soon as you start working sure. your way through the modes uh, yeah. and you get a multiplier away you go so that's exactly what started happening so it was against um, Jared Mendoza is his name and you know he started at 25 mil and because he thought to himself there's no way he was going to win he was so relaxed he was sort of just sure. casually flipping and you know, all of a sudden he's on 200 million, then 300, then 400, then 500. Then I'm like, okay, told you guys, someone can come back. So all of a sudden my 1.5 billion versus 25 million wasn't so safe. Fortunately yep. for me, his luck did run out and he ended up over 900 million. But 900 million was, a, was the second highest score of the night by far. Just wasn't as good as 1.5 billion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 tried to chase you down and put on an uh, admirable, admirable showing trying to trying to do so. But like like you said, yeah, and that's and that's actually a really good lesson for anybody who's uh, you know outside of a, a format like Flip Frenzy because it has its own nuance. But uh, you know, in any other format, yeah, you 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 know, there's times yeah where I've I've you know been like oh I'm so far ahead I should just uh, you know. I, I've gotten burned by it where I like, I'll start to like, well, I think I'll just go start shooting for this really difficult, you know, shot just because I'm getting bored, you know? <laughs> and, and then of course drain because it's uh, by design why I wasn't shooting that in the first place. And then sure enough, the person, you know, comes back and it's like, Oh crap. If I, I should have just stuck to my plan. I should have done what I was doing all along and just continued to pile on the points and I didn't. And then I lost. So shame on me. So you made the, yeah, you made the right call of keeping on going. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, you know, but Ghostbusters, like, like any machine, but even, I think almost even more so for Ghostbusters, because you have that natural thing. If you go further on those ladders, the points really start to explode. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Especially start, especially stay puffed. Oh my gosh. Right. Which So, so th- this is where I got most of my points for. I had um, stay puffed, which then got into mass hysteria multi-ball. And I had a two times play field multiplier running. That was just all the points right there. Yeah, nice. So it was good. So I won. Um, Very nice. What 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 pinball did you get up to this week yourself? 
so you know, coming back from uh, uh, from Asia, and then the business, you know, my my, my job has best been uh, you know pretty crazy. So I haven't I haven't played uh, really since I've been since I've been back hardly. But we have a comp coming up tomorrow. So tomorrow, you know, it'll be Sunday, the third here, and we have uh, uh, we have a Texas Pinball League. Which is uh, we we hold a, a multi a multi site uh, multi city league between uh, Houston and Dallas and Austin, and so we have the you know qualifying events in each of the three cities, and then the the, the top from each uh, each of the three cities then goes and plays in a finals on a on a different date, and uh, it's been you know, we started that maybe a year a little more than a year ago, and uh, it's been really well received and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we kind of we borrowed that format from uh, an actual full fledged, uh, you know, many many weeks, many many meets uh, league, like in the New England Pinball League in the U.S., where they were doing something similar. And I do that now. I think in many other places do that. I think they do that in Pittsburgh. I think they do it in the the Washington D.C. area, where you you know you will have people competing against other people in their in their location, but other people in different locations also have their scores count. Now you can only do this if you're playing match play style. Um, so that way uh, it normalizes the points. Uh, but it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's a fun way of doing things. Uh, so yeah, we've got that going on uh, tomorrow. And, um, and then, you know, for me, it's just all the prep work of, of, of TPF, you know, right now it's, yeah. uh, you know, managing uh, through, uh, you know, trying to continue to line up volunteers so if you're listening to this and you're going to the Texas Pinball Festival and you haven't volunteered already, you know, please volunteer in the tournament area, be a scorekeeper. Or if that's not your thing, then volunteer in one of the other areas at, at the show. Um, you know, the, the show and the tournament don't happen without volunteers. Um, so that's a big thing. And the other thing I've been, you know, spending time on is uh, uh, the, you know, just managing through the wait list as you have, you know, players that cancel, yeah. then having to reach out to the next uh so, so, so are people yeah. actually sort of um, opting out now? Or the, is it happening quite a bit? Uh, you know, as far as not necessarily what I would call quite a bit, but we, you know, as you get closer, um, there's some people that their their plans change yeah. or something comes up with, with work or, you know, if they, you know, for instance, one person is, is moving and so they're, you know, they, they can't go and attend the show now if they're in the process of packing up all their stuff and moving. Um, so we've had, you know, just, and also I, I sent out, I intentionally send out, you know, emails to all the registered players reminding them, hey, if your plans have changed, please, please cancel. So you give the other you know, players in the waitlist time to make their travel plans while we're still, you know, three weeks out. And, um, and thankfully, people respond pretty well to that, you know, in addition to sending them all the different information about, uh, uh, you know, just about the, the schedule and, you know, uh, you know, it's it's like you said. You learn you you learn as you go with these with these tournaments. And so one of the things we learned this last year is the very first hour, we had a lot of people wanting to buy their entries for the classics side tournament, which is unlimited. And you you know that was something that's open to anybody. It's not there's no pre registration required. But because of that, we got overwhelmed with people buying entries and registering for that. And so we're doubling, we're going to have two computers for registering. But also the other thing I did this year is I invited people to, Hey, you know, registration is not required, but here, here's some in the TPF store, you can go buy your classic entries, you know, you know, $10 worth or $20 worth up front. So that way you don't have to wait in line 
when you first arrive and you can instead immediately begin playing. Uh, so hopefully that'll alleviate mm. some of that. But but those are the types of things like you you mentioned earlier, as far as as you as you go and you know, as you evolve in in running a certain event, you learn you know different things where hey, what could we have done differently yeah. to make it even better? And that was one of them. So how many games do you need to put up on the classic tournament? It's uh, your best four scores best four. and the total of uh, eight eight pins to choose from. Okay. Because I'm I'm not getting to TPF till Friday night, so that's just oh, you know deciding oh, whether I well because I I didn't I wasn't even thinking about the tournament I was thinking about the show well the show starts at five o'clock so that's when sure. I've organised to arrive but then someone said and I think it might have been Jeff Teolis was like well hang on you should be going in the classics I'm like oh shit is there a classics tournament so anyway it means I've got how many hours to put up four games. Uh, not many at all because the classics uh, qualifying ends at uh, one a.m. on you know Friday night. Oh, that's to get four games in. That's easy. Yeah, it's still possible. I don't know what what time in the evening are you arriving. Like five o'clock. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you can do it then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll just get through as many as I can. But that's and you're, did you say that classics is isn't limited? It's unlimited herb style. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. unlimited. Unlimited. I'll herb bring style, my yeah. fat stacks with me. I'll buy my way there you into go. the finals. It's actually, well, no, I, we we keep that one. We keep that one intentionally. We we keep it pretty cheap. So I think that's the for ten dollars US you can get four plays, or for twenty dollars US you get uh, ten plays. I think it is. Yeah, that would probably be something like, something along those lines. Or maybe it's okay. maybe it's five plays for ten, and and like eleven plays or twelve plays for twenty. So it, we we it's it's not in, it's not intended to be some huge. Um, you know, monetary payout. I'll, I'll give you an exclusive though. Right now, here oh, you go. Here this we hasn't go. been announced yet. Come on. So we are we are excited to have another. Uh, so we have first off in the, at the main tournament. It's already been published and well known. So Deep Root is sponsoring the the main tournament awesome. and has generously contributed a large uh, sum of money that we're using for the you know supplementing the the tournament purse and then on top of the uh, the entries of all the players. Uh, and uh, so now we also have a, a sponsor that we received. We're going to put the money towards the classics tournament. So I, at Indisc, uh, did you have a chance to see the uh, the Scorbit technology? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We and we talked about Scorbit as well. So I know that they've they had their sort of almost like their press release uh, about probably about a month ago, which we talked about. Yes, I know Scorbit very well. That's Brian. Yeah, so Brian Scorbit. O'Neil? Yeah. Yep. Yep. yep, and um, okay. oh man, I'm, I'm I know Brian well because he plays. I've played with him a lot in the different comps. And that, is it Jay? I can't yeah. think of the other gentleman. You, uh, you keep talking, name. and I'll look through my messages. Yeah, from Brian yeah. So, to, to remind anyway, you who so the, the other so Scorbit, uh, so Scorbit has uh, has sponsored the the they are sponsoring the classics uh, event. So we're putting uh, uh, five hundred additional dollars into the purse. For the uh, for the classics tournament and uh, with uh, with the generosity of Scorbit as the the sponsor for that, so we're happy to have that. Will they will they be setting up any of the Scorbits there? So not not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping maybe I can change their mind, but at the same time, I don't want to set it up unless I have their full support. And it may be something where they just they may be tapped out in terms of the timing, or maybe that weekend doesn't work well for them. Um, to be able to provide the the support because I, the last thing I want to do is 
for both their benefit, for both their uh, you know standpoint and for the TPF standpoint, I don't want it to look bad on Scorbit or to you know look bad on on TPF if we try it and then something goes amiss and they aren't readily available to help out with solving the problem. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and to confirm, yeah, the founders are Jay Adelson, Brian O'Neill, and Ron Richards. So okay, it'd be good to see how that um, that evolves. Yeah, but we're excited about it. I'm, I'm also, I'm really, uh, you know, I'm, there's been, you know, various little, you know, startups and ideas and technologies out there for, you know, some score tracking or things like that. But I, you know, and when Scorebit first announced that, okay, well, it's just another one of those things. But now after seeing it and, you know, really in what I would call its full glory at Indisc, um, I'm really impressed. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not just, I mean, obviously they have to work on the, the, the recognition side of it, making sure that it can accurately um, keep up with the scores. But they've also then focused on the connectivity of it and how it can actually be used, creating almost like the sandbox so people can go, well, because it can do all this functionality, I can now apply it in all these different ways. And I think that's kind of cool. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. So there's your. Uh, so there's exclusive. Yeah. Exclusive. So you can awesome. show up, get there, and uh, you know, bring your. Uh, well, actually, so you'll have to uh, be discreet about any gin because uh, there's. <laughs> you'll have to. Uh, yeah. The uh, the TPF show and the conference. Uh, they have their own. Uh, you know, alcohol vendor in the the show itself. Um, so yeah. please please support the. Uh, the, the local the uh, the conference uh, well I will uh, you know I, alcohol vending I did sales it. no I did I did it um, at um, Pinburg there was um, a, a a vendor there that was selling gin so sure I'm happy to support them I don't care where the fuck I get my gin as long as I get it so I th- <laughs> what I thought you were going to say was well and I, look and unfortunately I've... there's no drinking at all at the the event I was going to about cancel my ticket. Oh my gosh, no! Oh, that's that. No, yeah, yeah. Crazy. No, the other thing you're going to enjoy is that the uh, is you know there's a lot of chances, oftentimes, to um, you know to go you know to really you know to you know, not just at seminars to ask questions, but you know I th- there's a lot of people in the industry that use TPF also as a way to you know quote unquote let their hair down, right. and um, and they'll they'll enjoy themselves and you know hang out hang out with everybody. And so there are some really great stories okay. <laughs> of people doing that. So hopefully you can hopefully you can do that as well. That's that's exactly what I'm hoping. Awesome. Um, well, probably just a couple more things just to to round out the the um, the podcast this week. Um, just further, last week we talked about the pinball betting. What are your thoughts quickly on that, Colin? Oh, um, <laughs> I'm I'm torn because I I guess I'm not uh, first off I'm not a big in, in, I like to uh, I like betting you know amongst my friends you sure. know so if it's a if it's you know filling out a tournament bracket for the uh, the NCAA you know men's basketball tournament um, if it's playing fantasy football or you know playing some uh, some poker you know at a at a friend's house. Um, and, and, and occasionally, I, I you know go to a casino and I might play some blackjack, but the the element of betting on sports through you know organized you know betting houses and sports books, to me it's just it's rife with so many pitfalls. Mm. Um, and I just I, you know there's just there's a connotation around it that while some people argue and say well hey yeah but every other you know legitimate sport has this and so this is 
further legitimizing pinball as a, as a sport or a competition. Um, I just, I've never really, I've never, first off, I, I don't go and bet with sports books on, you know, baseball, football, basketball, whatever. Um, that's just not my style. Um, sure. And, you know, and there's just, there's so many, you know, obviously it's, it's the exception and not the rule, but there's, you know, all those elements that you hear of, uh, you know, people abusing that and fixing things and rigging things. And with team sports, it's more difficult. I think you hear some of it more recently, like in the last five years or so in the tennis circuit, um, where there was uh, there was definitely some some type of you know foul play going on, uh, because obviously when it's a, a mono you know one v one, it's very easy for <laughs> one of the players to uh, to fix the match. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and so you can somewhat make that same argument that 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 possibility exists within pinball. At this point, though, I think you know pinball is is still so niche and so small that it's not. Um, I don't think it's something that's going to happen. But for the people that are, are running the tournaments that have the sports book associated with them, they're they're going to have to be very careful with well, how they implement it and how they control it. But that's the thing, like this um, this betting site whatever it is, I can't remember what it was from, from last week, it's not like anybody that's involved in pinball has organised it. Isn't that right? Like, they just did it independently. I'm not, I'm not sure that, you know, Josh Sharp or Zach Sharp approached these people and said, hey, let's bet on this event coming up. I think it's independent. So, it, it as a byproduct, it thrusts us into this world of being of questioning the integrity of all oh, you know will players do this it's like fuck we no one asked for this and it's it's an offshore site that's doing this so i don't get it i don't understand how all of a sudden players integrities are being questioned when nobody asked for this no i don't think that i don't think that player integrities are being questioned first off i think it's just that it's it's a, it, they're questioning that it's opening up the possibility for it um, you know, and so it's, um, I, I guess, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what all the led up to it. I, for me personally, I just, I can't fathom that there is the, there, there are sports books out there just itching to find, you know, uh, a new avenue. Know, yeah. Uh, well, okay. There, every business out there is trying to find new avenues. So I'll give it that. But you know, as far as them saying that, oh wow, look at this, you know, this 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 uh, this competition of pinball that's just this is just lush with uh, you know huge profits that can be made. <laughs> like, yeah. no, no, it's tiny. Where the, the pinball community is, we're we're, we're tiny, and uh, it, I so I have to figure that there's got to be somebody that that helped to you know make some type of connection here to then say you know get the you know get the eye of somebody that was that was willing to do it. And I think it could still be very successful as long as it's kept as long as it's kept on the level of what I would call fun money level. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Just then, then yeah. And to me, then to me, I think it's fantastic. I because like I said, I love that level where I get the office, you know, having a pool on on a you know on the on the bracket tournament or you know with fantasy football or maybe I'm bet I, I mean all the time I'll bet my friends, uh, you know, hey, I'll bet you a meal, I'll bet you lunch, you know, yeah, that yeah, my yeah. team beats yours or, or whatever like that. You know, that's all you know fun levels of dollars. As long as it stays in that type of realm. Given the current state of pinball competition, then I'm fine with it. 
if if it wants to get to some type of level where people you know we're we're talking about you know somebody you know tanking intentionally because there's thousands of dollars on the line at a sports book on them um you know at that point we also really need to be in the realm of that the you know all the tournament directors and officials need to be paid officials by an external you know body they can't be somebody who's also a player, yep. uh, you know, and you also then have all these other things. And Josh Sharp did a good job of laying it out right now. I think of the of the 40 people playing in the Stern Pro Circuit final, I think he, he was saying you can make the argument that I think roughly half of them should be disallowed from playing in it based on, you know, affiliations, uh, either, either with Stern or with uh, IFPA because they're a tournament director in some shape or fashion. Um, so... Like I said, I, as long as it's kept on a fun money level, I think it'll be fine, um, and nobody needs to get too upset about it. If we start hearing that there's like, you know, four figure uh, bets being made, yeah, right. <laughs> then, okay, fine. At that point, then we need to then we need to have a, a different discussion. <laughs> well, so the reason why I brought it up again this week is that there's been uh, there's an a website called Betting Reporter, um, and they've done uh, a bit of an article. Um, let's call it a mini article on um, on this, and it's called "These Odds on Betting Favorites Are Flipping Amazing at Pinball." And really, it's sort of just doing a little bit of a profile <laughs> on three people that they're sort of saying are the ones to watch, and that is uh, Raymond Davidson with seven to four odds to win, Keith Elvin with two to one, and Stephen Bowden with four to one. Do you reckon they? That's, okay. They, do you reckon they got those right? Yeah. No, I'm looking. I'm I'm looking at this right now, and uh, <laughs> Keith Keith is a pinball tycoon of the first order. <laughs> uh, it feels like it's one of those articles where they get paid per word. He could have said Elwin is a good player, but ooh no, I've got to get my fifty cents per word. I'm now going to do it over six words. But that's yeah, and then they're also trying to allude to here that he's, this whole notion that you know and why they, I think in the past like decades ago or decade plus ago there used to be a manufacturer's division of uh, of you know pinball comps, and it's, it's so it's trying to say that you know the the idea of someone designing a video game for others to play against him in competition was seen to be an unfair one, and I think they're making a, a poor choice of comparison there as far as video game design versus pinball machine design. Um, because pinball is right in front of you. It's not like there's like little, you know, necessarily, you know, hidden exploits. And, you know, you could argue, well, okay, there's some people have been rules. arguing that there is, but I, I, yeah, I know what you mean. It's still a physicality thing that it doesn't matter whether you've coded the machine or designed the machine. You've still got to know how to flip a freaking pinball. Yeah, well, and even so, I mean, I, I will uh, bring up this a very specific example. Even this is before Keith was employed by Stern. You know, with his uh, very, I think, uh, famous at least amongst the competitive pinball community, his destruction of Game of Thrones <laughs> in the 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 circuit finals, maybe two or three years ago, against Zach Sharp, who also at that point was also not an employee of Stern yet either, um, and. Keith was in the booth because it was a ladder format, you know, waiting. And Keith was, I think, at the pinnacle, so he was he was waiting for the the match to come to him. He still hadn't played yet, and uh, and he in the booth uh, was commentating, and he essentially like Babe Ruth, uh, you know, called his shot, and he said, "Oh, hey, there's yeah, there's an exploit in there in in Game of Thrones where you you it's not resetting values on you know Hand of the King, and so you can just absolutely destroy Hand of the King." And so, 
Keith is not the type of person, you know, that, uh, you know, from you know, when I've been around him, from that a good example there of essentially trying to, you know, use some type of secret, you know, thing to, you know, to get where he's gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's fine. You know, of course, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's very good with his, his rules knowledge and he knows then how to apply that given the, 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 the situation he finds himself in a given game. But, uh, you know, I think that's a great example that just goes to show that, you know, that's just, you know, that's just not the, who he is. And, um, and so I, I think that it helps to kind of diffuse some of this notion that, uh, that the Keith Elwins or Zach Sharps of the, of the, this tournament, have some type of leg up on these, on these pinball machines. These pinball machines have all been out plenty of time. Uh, you know, people, people know them, uh, you know, Keith has, is done, you know, who knows how many different tutorials out there or just, you know, even playthroughs where he's destroyed other pinball machines like the walking dead and other things. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm not worried about it. I think it's, um, I think it'll be a, a great competition. I don't think any of these, these concerns have much, uh, have much merit at this point, given how they've been handled. If they've been handled in a poor way in a different way, I would have a different answer. But I think how they've been handled, I think it's, uh, I think it's perfectly fine. Mm. Cool. Well, there you go. Um, one last thing, we'll just go to the mailbag. Uh, we did get some feedback last week. We spoke about the Zachariah uh, pinball app on iOS and Android. Um, so Jared Morgan, who who listens, he's from the Blarcade podcast, B L A H C A D E. For people looking it up, go and we'll link their their um, podcast. Um, so he said. Uh, Zachary Pinball on iOS and Android is produced by a company called Magic Pixel. They're a studio of about six Hungarian devs. I said Zen Pinball, so I got that completely wrong. Uh, he said, the game you're referring to with the circular disappearing playfield is Time Machine. It is. You, do you know that game, Colin? I've played it once before, yeah. That's, it's just crazy how this whole circular playfield up the top just raises and, and lowers. I mean... I wouldn't say it's necessarily a great machine to play, but that's pretty cool. He says, he says that mech is an engineering feat. It, it's true. He said, frustratingly, the Android version suffered a Google takedown for apparently including nipples in the Farfalla table. Hmm. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. no. No nips. <laughs> and Magic Pixel have decided not to resolve the issue and republish the game, so all the Android customers are fucked. No access to the game. No access to the DLC. They're currently working exclusive on the new Android version, which should bring it up to feature parity with Steam. There will be no discounted pricing offered. There you go. Okay. Fascinating. Because I, I think there was one time when Pop of TV was doing uh, Farfalla, and I think they, I think what they did in some of their advertising, they they would always usually publish on their website the, or Facebook page the the, you know, the maybe covers or whatever of the pinball machines they were going to be streaming that night. And I think they did some airbrushing on Farfalla. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's and that's fine. I have I I have complete respect for that because they're you know they're trying to you know obviously we want to reach a. Uh, a broad audience and you know that it's uh i think it's good because then the, you know for my my uh my, my children also yeah i don't want to i don't want to have something out there that's going to make uh uh you know women feel uncomfortable as they're sure. as they're watching but it's, it's interesting you know reading how this how things like this have evolved you know with uh with this you know the zakaria zakaria pinball app and how it uh it got taken down for that um and i i guess I, i'm kind of surprised that they haven't 
that you know that they haven't figured out a way to like i said whether it's airbrushing or something to mm. to make it a little a little less revealing <laughs> yeah they, there's not much that because needs to she be has, done. yeah yeah she has nothing that that backlash that, that that woman on the backlash has nothing to do with the actual gameplay and that what's on the the actual artwork on the play field i think that i think that game's all about butterflies right yeah it's something like that yeah <laughs> I I hadn't actually noticed the nipples until I've just started looking at the picture right now. Well, anyway, here you go. I, I'm I'm the guy that's looking at the playfield. So, and all I'm seeing is butterflies. <laughs> I don't care much exactly. about back glasses. So, uh, so there we go. So there, that's it. That's it for the week. So I will see you in approximately three weeks, Colin. Yeah, looking forward to it, Marty. Yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm looking forward to it being a break from work. That also helps. Um, but I, I don't know what to expect. Eyes are wide open. Um, there's a lot on. Um, I think there's... I do have some podcasting duties whilst I'm there. So, as I said, I'll be doing the, um, the Q&A with Haggis Pinball. I'll be streaming with American Pinball, hopefully. We're, we're trying to get that organizing, so I'll stream Oktoberfest. Um, this so you have some you have some duties. So so wait a minute. So so Ryan is like it sent you a note from jail. Yes, threatening to threatening to have somebody break your legs. Correct. Is that it? Pretty much. Okay. Said that, so um, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So <laughs> I was glad I was glad that I was glad to let him have his one phone call last week for Richard's he did, podcast. He did, that's, that's what he says. He said, Look, guys, please, I just want to have my one phone call. No, it's not my lawyer. It's Marty. So I can do the head-to-head podcast. So good on him for that. So it was good to have him back. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was laughing so hard with all the uh, the, 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 the fat and stupid things from Richard's <laughs> <laughs> his interviews in the past. Oh, my gosh. It was hilarious. <laughs> so there you go. So thank you very much, Colin, for coming on board and and you know, joining us for a very informative and can't wait to find out more about um, TPF in the next couple of weeks. Thanks, everybody, for, for listening. Please send us an email. Go to our website. Go to our Facebook page. Just, you know, communicate with us. We may communicate back. I don't know. We could be bothered. But, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but thanks, everybody, for listening. And I'll speak to you again next week. Thanks, Colin. Cheers, Mary.